What's up and welcome back to the Learn Beachful Fast podcast. I'm Alex, your podcast host, and this is part two of my very long, very insightful interview with the original Beach Volleyball Olympic gold medalist, Ken Steffes. As I said in the intro for the first part of this interview, this is a very insightful conversation where Kent goes into a lot of details about our sport and honestly, details that I haven't really heard anyone talk about until I talked with Kent. So I do truly believe that regardless of what level we play this sport at, there will be a nugget or several for you to grab from this interview and run away and uh, implement and become better. So if you truly care about becoming a better player, then I would at least highly recommend you to listen to all of this, take some notes, discuss these things with your friends and your partners and training partners and whatnot, and uh, try them out and see how they work for you. And um, yeah, that's what I would do. Other than that, there's not too much to say, except that I'll do what I usually do when I split up interviews into several episodes, which is I'll replay just like 30 seconds or so of the interview where I cut it off from the first part, just so you get back into the groove of the interview and then I'll let it play from there. All right, let's get started. And there's, cause there's value in trying something and testing out a new thing. There's value in that. So if somebody has a completely wrong idea, give it a shot. That'll help you mentally, emotionally too. So, you know, uh, go to, uh, I'm going to train something super mechanical, knowing I'm, I'm sort of, it's probably not the right way to do it, but do it. Then I'll go back to the other way. That could be a bit beneficial, you know, sort of expanding your ability to learn and grow and create. So, yeah, I can see that. Part of the mechanical training I sometimes use is to get people to explore. So I actually tell them to do too much and I tell them to do too little and then start finding the in-betweens. And and sort of it's like yeah, that's not mechanical training. That's not that's that's mental training. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that that's inner game of tennis stuff for sure. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Explain to the audience what you're talking about. So yeah, we we are ultimately changing the mechanics of the player, but the 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 methods I use to make that happen are not the same as you will see in a lot of youth coach. Definitely, you need again. Definitely, you need to change mechanics of athletes. It's how you change them. Yes. Mechanical training versus rhythmic power. That's the point. Yes. We uh, clearly. If the, 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 all right, like, all right. I guess we're on to passing, right? Is that our last skill we have here? Do we have any more skills? We, we can go. Let's learn how to pass. We have forty minutes to learn how to pass. <laughs> 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 so if you go. If you go to the passing is really easy because it's a really simple skill, right? Uh, okay. Footwork is, of course, normal, but it's it's hard. It, it, all right, so let's do passing. So um, if you go to any practice, what you see is you see people doing this when they're when they're passing. All right. If you watch video, nobody swings their arms, but everyone in practice is swinging their arms. They're doing this. That is wrong, right? When you pass, you actually arms barely swing, right? So first of all, again, everyone's practicing correctly. What's the point? Back to what we always start this way. Our goal is to win, period. What is our philosophy of passing, right? All right. If I take the ball and I drop it on the table, which way is it going? Up. Drop it down, it's going to go straight up. If I drop it on the corner of the table, where is it going? Suicide. You don't know, mm, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Right? You don't know. So the point of passing is to have a flat place for the ball to hit. Mm-hmm. In the direction you want it to go. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what your goal is. Right? And that is that's why it was like you think it's so simple. Well, all right. Now we're we're back to like hey, now we have a string. How how do we get to this position? So right, it's different between training forwards and backwards, right? Mm-hmm. So in this case, the athlete needs to learn to orient himself in space. You get the platform, the, the the flat platform in the right direction is not an important thing. Not the way they teach you. Okay, this is where your feet are. When the ball comes, you squeeze your hands and you put the, the blah 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 blah. No, it's not it. So. Again, I'm not a coach. If I wasn't going to teach passing, I would do what I did when I learned how to pass. Because when I started playing volleyball, Minonet, that would be indoor volleyball. It's not volleyball. Beach volleyball is volleyball. Uh, I couldn't pass, so they took me out in the back row, right? You could do that. So I never got to, I only got to play half the game, so I was kind of sad. And the game's not as fun when you have to play the whole time, right? so I want to teach myself passing. So what I realized, I didn't realize this is, all right, so you have your arms and you have, the problem is your arms are not like the top of your tabletop. Your arms are like a bunch of, you know, if you look, if you were to see my desk, <laughs> there's all sorts of different things, right? You got all these bones all over the place where if it hits any one of them, you, you don't, you don't know where the ball is going and you're trying to get the ball to go to your favorite place. And then you have an ulna and a, a radius, right? I'm sure, I don't know what, what, what language you guys know, but there's the bone that comes off the thumb and the bone that comes off the pinky, and one of them rotates and one of them doesn't, which, uh-huh. right? Now you have, now not only do you have a table, but you have this bone, which is creating this, sur- which is uh, a surface, which, uh, you know, if you're doing this, where is it going to go? So what I used to do is I used to take a ball, and I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to, have a proper platform in the proper position on all the bones in my arm, right? And all the ways my arm can move. So the first time I did it, so I did I did two things. I had a ball and I, I would hit the ball off the wall one arm at a time, all right? And the first time I did it, I did it on this really flat part of your arm, right? Like really like elbow, can you see elbows under like that? Yeah. One, yeah. two, three. And I tried it just 10 per arm. It's it's not easy when you're learning to play, but try it. And I would, I, I I've seen like pros that can't do this. The second one is I would do it exactly flat with the on top of the radius, right? So here's one part. I do it this way. Here's another part. Okay, I'm doing a top in case I get stuck somewhere. Because again, your body's moving and you're moving your arms and you're trying to get in a position and you're maybe even diving and you you know there's all these the, the, too much is moving around. You can't you can't being certain you're going to get a flat part so you got to train for it so I'm, I'm, now i'm this way right then the next thing i do is i do it off the wrist not because you're supposed to pass the ball off your wrist right you're supposed to pass it in between the wrist and the elbow but yeah. just in case plus i'm training my body how to use the different bones that it might hit so then and my hand would be if you can see this so my hand and my hand would be like this okay and I would hit it off this part right on the wrist, the, the wrong place. You're not supposed to pass there just in case, you know, 10 times, 10 times per, 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 uh, per side. And then I do like a flipper, not because yeah, you're supposed to pass like this, but just because I'm training my body to, to, to get in the right place, it depends wherever, however my arms are, 
is I'm going in space, right? Yep. So no matter where it hits, no matter where it hits on my, from the elbow down, no matter where it hits, I practice creating the right platform in which to do it, right? And then you just gotta, and then, so, uh, I used to do a lot of work on the balance board, all right? So, it was specifically for this. And a, I guess, does everybody know what a balance board is? I don't know, right? I mean. So one of my questions is, I wanna ask more what type of balance board it is, because I, I read about this balance board. Uh, okay. So, I guess if you go like balance board Amazon, it, it's, it's just got a cylinder, right? Yes. And a, yes, and a okay. piece of wood on top. Yes. Okay. So right. one of those, uh, I think the Indo board is is one of the brands that create those. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but and mine, mine had one like mine had one where there was a, it was within a rail, so you you could only go back and forth. So you're balancing, right? So yeah. Okay. First thing only, only two two. Well, it's two dimensional, but but it's not. Yeah, three -dimensional. You can only go this way. Yeah. It's it's only it's only like this, right? Trust me, it's, it's, you don't need anything complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, I'll, I'll, all right, let me give you the, the philosophy is, you, you're trying to learn to separate your bottom half from your top half, right? Because that's what yeah. you're doing when you're, when you're passing, right? Mm -hmm. Your bottom half is working in one direction and your top half is doing, you understand like, remember what I taught, we talked about like, um, your body operates in three planes, right? So you can move forward, back, you can move side to side, you can twist, okay? and the purpose of sport, we talked about it, how, we're, how the purpose mentally stress you out. The purpose of sport is to get the athlete in the out of balance position. Because what happens when you're, when you're out of position, your body naturally wants to pull you back into position. So good sports, the ones we play, the ones that have lasted, all test the human person in these planes out of balance where they have to be strong, all right? So in this case, you are specifically, your top half and your bottom half do not match. So if you don't train yourself, your body will be pulling you back into balance and away from being able to pass a good ball. So one of the ways you do it is the balance board. Again, and you don't need the one that's three-dimensional or this and that, just back and forth. Back. So the first thing you do is you get on the balance board and you try to balance. Once you learn that, what I could do is you could roll. You basically rolled over the cylinder, right? So you're doing this, mm -hmm. right? So then you're rolling, you know, you could do this. You, you basically, you get balance, right? Now, the second thing is, is you get a ball, okay? And you take a ball and you and you get on the balance board and you hit it back and forth on your arms like this. So you're hitting ball, hitting ball, now you're balancing. Now you take the balance board and you sway it back and forth. At the same time, you're doing this. So again, your lower body is working independently on your upper body. And then because I'm me and a little bit more extreme, I would watch TV. So now we're working the visuals. So again, if you actually do, if you, if, if you do really fast motion capture of athletes, they're not looking at the ball when they pass. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. They're looking out. They don't need to see the ball, right? So you are on the balance board going back and forth. You're, you're doing this with the ball back and forth. You know, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can, you can you know, flipper it, you can do it on the arm and you're watching TV. It, it, it'll make you such a good player. It, it's it's phenomenal exercise, in my opinion. I know what I'm doing next. <laughs> but <laughs> no. d d like, make sure you clear the space out because you you can fall off, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. This, that's the training I did sense. in my house. Yeah. yeah. This makes a lot of sense to me. Sometimes, uh, let's see if you if I describe this, if you if you recognize this. 
sometimes I I describe things as putting your platform in the right position to to touch the ball, whatever the the body has to do, which means sometimes you're falling with the body afterwards. But the yeah. the the most important part is getting the platform into the right spot. Absolutely, uh, yeah. There's no other option. Ex exactly, and and I think maybe this is the same thing as you describe to to not let the the body get back into balance, but but actually prioritize putting the platform in the right spot. Psychologically, your body is fighting you to get back into homeostasis. Always back into balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So sometimes when I coach athletes, I, I, I tell them that they, they sometimes need to sacrifice the body and then they can fix the body. You, you might end up laying down in the, in, the, in the sand and then afterwards you deal with that. You get, you get yourself up again and you continue playing. But, but it's like I, I had this one mental picture once, which is I imagined that my body was only my platform, which is my arms and my eyes. And everything mm -hmm. else was just space. It was just like a ghost that I didn't control in any way. And, and the only thing I needed to do was watch the ball with my eyes and get the platform in the right spot and whatever, nothing else mattered. Exactly, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we worked back from the string to find out why that's not happening. And you know, what, what you talked about was a, was, a, was a mentality, they used to, they, they don't, I don't think they do coach on ones anymore because you probably you get fired and you know, it's all, you know, you get canceled as a coach, you can't be mean to, to, to your students anymore they, you can't torture us so they throw the balls around the gym and we'd have to go and dive you know and it was horrible so first of all you hit your you know your pelvis and that gets bruised and every once in a while your shirt gets chunk and your chin goes and you cut open your chin and your doctor has to sew you up and you got to go back to practice and do it again because they're trying to they're, they're trying to train out of you and one of my coaches was like one of the coaches was like if if it is the difference between you getting the ball and you going to the crowd and getting injured, you get the ball or you're not on my team. And he oh. told me one day he was going to rip my arm off and beat me to death with it. And I was pretty sure he was because I was I was messing up. But, yeah, so you can train it. The the modalities, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't even know modern modality for that because our modalities were so simple. If you, you do you ever see the movie? Uh, oh, what was that? The Karate Kid. What was the one after that um, with Johnny with Cobra Kai? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, is Cobra uh, Kai? Is that when he goes to the gym? The well, it's uh, the it's the the Karate Kid, like with Ralph Macchio, and then it's the Cobra Kai, the karate movie. Okay, so Johnny yeah. is the is now the sensei of the karate, and, and so they're sitting there, and he's teaching them karate, right? And uh, he goes, and I and I explain, and he and he and he throws his hand at a person, and and, and the and the kid and the kid flinches. He goes, he, he uh, stops the movie. It's the most classic line. He stops it. He goes, we got a flincher. And he tells the, the lower guy, the, the assistant, he goes, line them up and punch them all in the face <laughs> until they stop flinching. <laughs> right? So it was the funniest thing. I thought, you know, that's pretty much how they trained us. If you were afraid yeah. of diving into something, they would set up a bunch of chairs and make you dive in them <laughs> until you decide, until you stopped. So yeah. if there are any coaches out there who have a modality to get rid of that thought, because it's a perfectly rational thought, they don't want to dive in, you're, it's correct. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Line them up and, and punch them in the face, coaches. 
<laughs> exactly. And this is uh, we talked about Finland before. We talked about Finland before we started recording, but but this reminds me a little bit of of my childhood. And people have have trained volleyball by having someone be super close to you. So you stand in defense position and you have someone just banging balls at you from a super close distance to get get rid of this fear of the ball and just like does that make sense? It, it sounds a little bit similar like like getting punched. Well I think we used the when we used to do it they wouldn't let us use our hands. So we would have to dig the ball without our arms. And they would wear they did the same thing as you're saying but without arms. Yeah that was those were the fun times. Yeah <laughs> 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 exactly. <Yeah. laughs> okay, I, I have one question about the balance board more. Uh, so yeah. you you stand on the balance board and you have a ball and you have the TV going. Are you doing the ball just up and down to yourself or are you uh, doing this with a wall? So are you peppering with a wall as you're on the balance board? No, or no, are no. You... just simply bat, like one arm, left arm, back and forth. Like it, it's okay. it, it, it's a simple. If you were to do that, it, 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 that that's all you want to do. You're you're separating your lower and upper body. You have a ball, right? Which is what you're doing, right? So when you're basically when you're passing, as I said, your lower body is doing one thing while your upper body is supposed to be doing something else, and you're playing yes. with a ball. So you've accomplished the training goal. And you just add mm -hmm. in the TV one because it's boring, and two, then it helps you with vision. So you get to watch TV. So yeah, yeah, no, no, but just just up, like just one arm, left arm, back and forth. Back and forth again. So your body. So ready. So ready. Here, here I am. I'm on the balance board. You can't see my lower body, but it's going back and forth, and my upper body's. That's the point. It's going back and forth. And my upper body's completely calm. Yeah. Right? So that makes sense. Are you at the same time practice? Because before you said you you trained the different parts of your arm, different parts of your hand, and and having ball control with those. Would you do this at the same time? Like yeah, yeah, but you can't you can't really do this one. You can't really do the under one because that would be kind of weird. It's hard to bat, go back and forth yourself on this one. But yeah, yeah, you can do that. Just experiment with it. You know, just yeah, do it. Have fun. It. Like, look, if you're a beach volleyball player and you love it, you're just gonna have fun and experiment and try it. Yeah, try a flipper. Try a try. It, put I, your hand together. I, do a fist. Spin the ball. Yeah, just have some fun with it, and you'll you'll see what you like and what you get out of it, and what you, yeah, tr yeah. I agree like, with yeah, you. It's, I never, so, first of all, I never thought there was anything like crazy complicated that I had to do and train. It just go out there and you're playing with a ball, all right, in, in the sun, in the sand. It's super fun. Just go have some fun with it with your training, too. Try. Go for it. Go for your serves. Why would you want to play a game when you don't want to set the ball in your hands? Because that's fun. It's fun to learn these things. I mean, you want to, you want to really make that, that awesome serve. Yeah, it's cool. Mm -hmm. You know what? Uh, I've been drinking water. I need to go to the bathroom. Uh, if you need to go to <laughs> I'll the get bathroom. some water too. Sure. <laughs> I'll go too. I'll be, we'll be back in a minute or so. I'll, I'll be back in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What are we on uh, next? So, so we're back. I, I got to put in a, a small second of appreciation and, and gratitude for, for you doing this episode. It's, uh, it has been amazing so far. And uh, I'm. Uh, I have more questions that we can go into if you <laughs> if you still feel up for it. <laughs> Fire away. <laughs> yes. Uh, <clears throat> so where do we go next? Um, mm, yes. Uh, charting players. This is coming. Has 
come up a few times during mm -hmm. our conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a I had a question about that because because I I read in the Gods to Ghosts uh, article about that you had been charting player. Did you have like um do you have any tips for for charting players like making it more systematic, making it more efficient, like the actual work of the charting? Uh, I, I I thought for a second how I would probably go go about it, which was I was I would probably find video. Let's say I have let's say I want to chart you. I would find video of you, and then I would find ten times where you maybe hit a line shot uh, or or a or a line spike, and then I would sort of cut these out and 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 get them after each other, and then I would try to look for commonalities uh, or or tells for you when you're gonna do that, and then I would compare that with all the other shots that I also gather from you and see if if this tell is only happening when you're doing the line spike does does this explanation make sense it's like a how did you go about that there uh, you go that's the question what's what are we trying to accomplish here it doesn't matter what you're gonna say because I, I, like i said i don't I, i'm not a coach i don't do lectures on charting and but i did chart a ton so i could just recreate what i was thinking at the time um yeah, the difference between yeah. the difference between charting and Mininet and beach volleyball is there's a lot more people in Mininet. There's six of them, and they're running all sorts of complicated plays. Uh, beach volleyball is not that. So one of the main challenges you have in charting an opponent is what I said about the standard set. If you are on the angle and he hits line, what is charting that going to do? So what are you charting? Are you charting that he hit line or that he correctly hit the open space? You with me? So mm -hmm. again, what's your yep. philosophy here? Like, well, all right. So the guy hit ten straight angle shots, and then you go into the angle and he hits the line. What have you learned? All right, right? Oh, he's he's hit ten straight angle shots. I'm going to go in the angle, and then he hits line. Right? What are you trying to What are you trying to learn? And so we talked about it before. And you're looking for tells against two people, or one. Sometimes it's one person because you're only going to serve that guy, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at one person and. Pretty much you can get all the tells on a person, on a player. You, I, you, if, when you're watching film, when you slow it down, you'll get all the tells. The question is, can you get it fast enough? So just because I know what Michael Jordan's going to do, he long steps before he pulls up for the shot, doesn't mean I can stop him, right? So you're also trying to find tells that you can actually exploit, tendencies that they do, right? And it's not easy. Like, let me give you, a, let me give you an example of when, when charting. And, it, 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 charting is correct. But it's more like you're scouting, all right? You're just watching the other player, seeing what he's doing. Um, and I think the way I charted it was block. How many block? Like I said, how many block? How many blocks I sh should have made that I made? How many? How many defense? I like the other ones, but it's like um, Randy Stoklos. Okay, we took that. You know, I, I I became the number one player. They were they, Sinjin and Randy were the number one team for ten years, winners of everything. And I took him down, and it became number one. And it was for this one little thing. Because I'd studied him and charted him, and I couldn't figure out what to do. All right? till finally, I was in Cleveland, and I was playing against him, and it clicked. He had a small, microscopic hitch in his swing as he went forward. So he would start to swing, and he'd go, and then come back and swing again. My block timing was off. And... He would just smash the ball off your arms, either pass you out of bounds. And I, I finally was like, it was something I couldn't see on the tape, right? 
So again, I, I was looking for what was going on. So it doesn't necessarily have to come from the charting or the tape. It's it's the, what the focus is on. And the moment I was like, oh my God, I am going too early. I changed my block timing. I blocked him three straight times. He didn't know what to do because it never happened. He started to go for the shots. He was done. We could beat him every time, right? That one simple thing. So you're looking for that. You're looking for that that one tell, that one tendency that's going to get you. Jeez, I mean, we had a game of we had to get 15 points. Okay, the games are 21 rally scoring. I mean, how many points do you need in a game to win it? Three, four. I mean, I think if you chart the games that we played at our scores versus now, I think the scores are like four to five. Or, or six to four, aren't they? You know, and yeah. a twenty-point year, you know, in a twenty-one point rally scoring event, there's four. Right, so there's 42, 40, 42 serves max. Let's just say, right? Like, mm-hmm. all right, how many points are you getting out of that? Not that many. You're no. you're really looking for that one or two things a game. You get one or two, three more points that you wouldn't have gotten. You're going to win a lot of volleyball games, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and you know, you you want to see you know, how they move, like like how how how. Right. Well, first of all, yeah, I mean, blocking it's so it's so freaking easy to get past a blocker because they always have. If like they do things, they jump this way. They do things, they jump that way. You know, Travis, if you're watching this, he and I go back and forth. We probably have the same way. I, I told him how to block. He argues with me all the time. Not that you are. I'm just saying, but so. He, he has these big giant moves. He thinks he's trying to be sneaky. I, I would beat him every time because the, the you, you, you can the, they have to leave the sand in a direction before you have to hit. And there's only a couple ways to do it. And they will, you know, everyone does. You, know, you gather and then you jump, and you gather and you jump a certain way. There's te- watching the blocking tells is easy. The hitting tells is hard. It's harder. To figure out what they're doing because they're looking at you to see what they should do, right? Mm-hmm. So as I said, are you looking? You're 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 looking to see the mistakes. You're looking to see the tells. You're looking to see how they respond to what the defensive set is. So if I move right and go left, are they going to hit the line? If I move left and go right, right? Like what are they cluing onto? You can really learn that about about people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, that like, are, are, they, are, are they looking? To, all right, so let's imagine you're you're gonna you're gonna do the block angle. Guy goes in line. Are they looking for that play on you? So can you fool them? Again, you're you're trying to fool them. You're trying to get jump on their mistakes. You're trying to get their tendencies. So it's not so much that I'm I got a pen and a paper, and I'm doing that. I'm more like I'm more like I am doing the pen and the paper because that gives you some structure around how you're watching it. So I would recommend that. But you're you're you, you got to be thinking about what am I trying to like? All right, you know, a lot of times you'd be like, yeah, that, that, I wouldn't have been able to get it any without. There's what was there a play that could have happened where we could have made a point on that one? And a lot of times you're like, no, it's probably not. You know, I used to sit with my coach Mark. We just talk about, well, uh, look at that, like you know, they did this play, they did that, yeah. So you're just trying to get a, you're trying to get a visual map of their opponent player. So that when you're competing against them, your body clicks. I know what's going to happen, and you go for it. That, that's the point. Intended you know, tendencies. Yeah, that makes sense. Fuck, I love. But it takes life. time. The problem is it's time, and athletes don't want to sit and watch video. You, you gotta, 
you got to put away the first shooter video games. You're, you, athletes tend to be, uh, they want to be active, and you got to sit down with a, with a chart, and you got to be like, this is like your, your athletes are going to complain, uh, they're going to complain, coach, this is boring, or whatever. Like, it's boring. Well, can't you, why not? Can't you, you know, it's funny. You know, what I love is some coach is watching video charting for a beach volleyball player. That is asinine to me. <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah, if the athlete's not watching and charting, it's doing no good because they're not getting the visual map in their space to be able to utilize it. It's hilarious to me. Like, the, it, okay, remember we talked about everything about sports is meant to challenge you some way as a human being. Athletes don't want to sit on a couch and chart. There's famous books on, on American football. They have, the, they have beautiful, beautiful rooms with big giant captain's chairs, and half the team has fallen asleep during the during the uh, <laughs> the video, they all, and they're like, "Do we wake up Lawrence Taylor?" He's like, "Nah, let him sleep," you know, <laughs> like the, because he just it's torture for an athlete to have to sit there and watch video. But try, you know, look, don't kill yourself if you're an athlete. Try ten minutes or fifteen minutes. You know, work up to an hour. Anything you can put in is better than nothing, right? So don't try to go watch four hours of game film every night. You know, you're gonna have to learn. Learn that, <laughs> but yeah, trust me, I know you don't want to do that. You want to do a hundred other things and watch video constantly over. Like by the way, and you know it's funny. I don't know if I don't even know if it, it, I, I don't have enough. Like I, I'm not involved in the sport as I said. I know coach, but we had videotape which we could do slow motion. And now, isn't everybody on a computer? Like we had big ass TVs. Okay, we had such big TVs, and it was tape, so it wasn't good quality. It got better, but we could go slow mo with a big ass tape with a big ass TV. Okay, I don't even think that's available anymore, unless maybe like some c- country has a national training center, right? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we could really get a lot of detail on how they're like where the ball was coming, and you know, again, if I if I'm gonna hit the ball this way, my hand has to start here and be moving this way. You know where I'm going to hit when I start to move my arm. You can't do that. That's not how a ball gets hit. You don't do that. You hit the ball this way. Hit the ball that way. Your arm's moving. So, yeah. But trust me, it's 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 boring, you know? Mm-hmm. Try to make it fun. I don't know. Do it yeah. at the ball, you know? But you're basically, you're you're looking for... I think you're looking for tells that happen so early that you can utilize them. What else can you do? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But if Phil Dahlhauser's on a standard set with a perfect set, you're toast. Go, you know, like I said, go get a drink of water, save your yeah. energy. You know, again, you don't do your try, but yeah, like don't, you know, exactly. you, you got to find something. Again, what are the games? Does anybody chart that? I, I, you know what? I never see. I never see what the what the scores are in rally scoring about what they would have been in the side out scoring. And the thing is this, it's really easy to side out. Okay. It's really easy to receive the serve and not give up the point. That's why the game was different back in the day. It's hard to get 15 points. And Mm -hmm. so that's the structure of the game. It's this, you know, like, so God on defense and charting, you're trying to, you're trying to find Something I told you every time Karch's off the net in transition, he cuts the ball, and I used it once in the finals of San Jose to win the tournament on game point. Okay, won a tournament because I had that knowledge. Sinjin with a pitter patter, 
We knew about the pitter-patter. He used it at the Cuervo San Diego Open. Pitter-pattered. Hoff stuffed that thing so bad you wouldn't believe because he knew it. He got his hand up and just threw it down. One play. One play was the difference between winning and not winning a tournament. We won. We, I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So are you saying if you know uh, a tendency of a player, you don't utilize that knowledge all of the time? You just utilize because then they might adapt. You just utilize it when it matters. No, 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 no. Utilize whatever you can. What I'm saying is you are working hard, doing something horribly boring in order to get a one or two point advantage. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because games at the elite levels are very close. Yes. All right. And if you can get one, my point is, if you can get one or two points, I was kind of giving ones that are critical in critical times that I utilize to win games. We were down 12 to eight and we won 17, 15. All right, all right, let me give you an example. All right, I have won 110 professional beach volleyball tournaments. I think I'm four or five, depends if you count manual. I don't even keep track anymore uh, of that particular statistic. I did a survey of those 110 events because I kept the records of all, you know, the, the, the tournament brackets with the scores. I went back and I calculated all the scores of all the tournaments, 110 wins, all right? And I found this out, which was fascinating. If you change two points sometime within the tournament, I would mm -hmm. have not won 80 tournaments, okay? So 75% of the tournaments I played in were decided in a game by two points, okay? So I won, I beat Carl, Carl and Sinjin 17-15. If it was flipped, I would have lost what I won the turn, like what I won the tournament. The difference between the winningest player in the history of the beach volleyball, me, and just kind of come some guy you're not even going to invite to play with you, because uh, you're four guys, uh, is is two points a game, two points a tournament, two points a tournament. All right. Fascinating. Soccer games are one zero. World Cup soccer games are one zero. You know finals again i'll use american modalities the patriots many people know belichick and brady won brady's won seven super bowls belichick's won six so they won three super bowls by a total of nine points three points per game which is nothing in football at the elite levels when you're competing against other people it would, it would, the scores are mind blowingly close. So two points throughout a tournament. I'm, I, you're, I'm not, I'm not writing books and being on podcasts. It, it's, it's scary. <laughs> so when you're charting and you're looking, you're looking for those one or two points, right? One or two, three points. It's, it's, yeah. That's the mentality and that's the philosophy because your goal is to win, right? The goal is to win, period. You can't win unless you are going to be in a situation where you're going to have to dig deep, overcome adversity. You're not playing well. Your girlfriend broke up with you, so you're feeling sad. The mm -hmm. other team's playing good. You, he, They're not giving you any breaks, and you've got to figure out one or two points, definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. Get your butts in front of the video. Get something to keep you from, you know, dying of boredom and try to find one or two points a tournament. 
tournament. Okay. <laughs> you know, an, an exponential curve. Uh, and then there's like the reverse exponential curve that just, you know, it's it's steep in the beginning and then it flattens out. Yeah. This is how I see volleyball. It's like in the beginning, you can gain a lot of skills by not so much work. But the better you get, the more work it takes to get a little bit better. Uh, let me tell your listeners out there how true coaches' words are. You will never work harder to be good when you are a professional. It is the amount of effort and work you have to put in. Most people think, hey, I'm a pro now. I I'm good. No. Now is you, you're not – you're. You could, you know, right? Usually, as you move up, you're great in high school, you're great in college. By the time you get to the pros, everybody is phenomenal. I never had to work. I had to call my coaches, and I said, "Look, I need a bet." Like, all right. So I started playing with Karch when I was young, and he dumped me because I wasn't playing well enough. I couldn't last playing with him throughout an entire tournament. I, my my physicalness, but I was young, so I was still developing. But I had to tell my coaches. I said. I, Bob Alejo, John, C, John Smith, I said, I, I'm not physically capable of performing at a tournament for the entire time. And they said, all right, you ready, kid? <laughs> you, you ready? <laughs> we'll give you the program. Trust us. But you got only you can do it. Yeah, so you're right, man. You can, Yeah, you got to watch game film till your eyes bleed looking for two points. You got to. You, you know, I, I, here we go. So you're doing the plyometrics, and he's like, "Look, if you want to get better, you got to raise that box six inches." Okay, go, go for it. So I'm jumping the boxes, and he's there, and I miss. And th not when they're these nice ones, these nice, you know, you know plyometric boxes where they're soft. These were made out of plywood. He made it in his backyard for the thing. I missed, hit my feet, and I slid my shins down that freaking thing. The, the, the scar was this long on the bone. And it hurt like you wouldn't believe. And and I'm bleeding, and his blood's going down in my sock. And Bob Alejo is laughing his ass off. He goes, <laughs> he goes well, there's good news and there's bad news. Is, well, the good news is nobody ever does that twice, the pain's so hard. You'll, you'll pay attention and not hit. He goes, the bad news is he's still got three more sets to do. So let's get up on the box. <laughs> All right? All right? You, you wanted it, kid. <laughs> you wanted it. So, yeah, I mean, coach is right. Coach Alex is right. The harder it's harder, hard. It's the the hardest you'll ever work is when you're the best. That's funny. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, right, it's really natural. The lower levels, you know, natural talent kind of dominates. But when you get up there, everybody's good. Everybody's yeah. got rock solid mentality. Everybody trains hard. Yeah, but you got to distinguish yourself. So, and I heard this one too. So. You know, a lot of the best NBA players, the basketball players in the United States, they do double days. They don't practice once, they practice twice. Double days. Kobe heard that. He goes, I'm going to practice three times a day. All right. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is practicing twice a day. I'm practicing three times a day. Um, and he was one of the best NBA players of all time. He also had a rule. He goes, no matter what time I get into town, I go shoot hoops. So if it's two in the morning, I'm going to find a place to shoot hoops. I will not go to bed. When I get into town for it, and he had this, he had a string, he had a string of gyms around that would meet him at one in the morning in Minneapolis to open the gym just for Kobe so he could shoot before he went to bed. He'd always be telling guys, you want to get better, come with me. Okay, we'll drive together. Go come. Nah, nah I'm going to the, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, go to the hotel. It's late. We already played. Bye, bye. It's a long flight. So, yeah, you're right. 
Yeah. I could tell stories. I could tell stories all day, right? I could tell. <laughs> you can't. You can't keep me quiet here. Three hours. Three hours, Alex. Three hours. That's what we I'm talking been. about. That, that's what I'm talking about. What else you got? What else do I got? Let me let me have a look at this list. We didn't go super far into this yet. I think we have touched it a little bit, but or okay, I'll let you decide. Uh, my question here is because because I read some of your posts uh, and whatnot. Question is how to teach someone to win because I think it seems like both of us uh, agree that this is a teachable skill, uh, mental skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that it's possible to learn this drive to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own thoughts on, on this. I can super quickly g- give a couple pointers. One is from the from the inner game of tennis. He talks about uh, the wave with with his dad. I think it's towards the end of the book. He talks about mm-hmm. surfing. Yep. Uh, with his dad and and how the the wave doesn't have feelings it's just going to give you uh give you challenges and mm-hmm. uh, and that actually gives you a an opportunity to get better as a as a surfer and we need to look at ourselves and our opponents in the, in a similar fashion the opponents are actually giving us a service by being as competitive as possible because that challenges us which means that we can get better and and actually so so I'm a I I like to be friendly with people. I I see myself as a as a pretty nice person. Uh mm. so so I had trouble being competitive in the beginning. Uh mm. but when I realized that I'm actually nicer to my opponents when I just try to rip their brains out of their skulls so to say, uh that helped me become competitive when because now my niceness actually I have twisted my mind so that I'm nice by being super competitive. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was something more that I forgot now. Uh, is this at all aligned with the type of type of thinking that you're having around this, or no, it's not going to surprise anybody? <laughs> what? It's not going to surprise anybody that we're going to go through the same process here that we did with else. <laughs> Of course, we are. that's <laughs> why I don't know what else to do, <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. All right, let's break it down here. All right. I have my ears open. The I goal is to win. Period. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Here's a good question: Why is that so hard? Why is the winning mindset so hard for athletes to do? Why isn't everybody doing it? I, I've written a post that says most athletes aren't trying to win. Most organizations aren't trying to win. Why? There's a simple answer, okay? When any animal competes against another animal, all right, because we're, 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 we, are, we are creatures, a human being, I've said it a million times, sport is purposely designed to get at you as a human being. So when two human beings clash, all right, one is a winner and one is a loser. Psychologically, the person who loses is damaged. Okay, Mm -hmm. on a physiological level, right? We know this. Your serotonin, when you lose, your serotonin levels drop. Uh, Your nervous system gets impacted, right? And it goes back, they they like to talk about, you know, how like when the two rams are hitting each other in the head, 
the giraffes are swinging at each other, the gorillas are going at each other, the winner is damaged physically and psychologically. And that is, humans do not want that, all right? That's what we're overcoming. We're overcoming the damage that occurs when, so many, many sports are designed to fail you, to, so that you lose, okay? So that you're constantly not winning, all right? So it, it's constantly damaging you. So first thing is just, look, you got to understand that. You, you got to set your mind to win and be like, God, baseball. So you know, when, when you're talking about the wave with the guy, it's a reframing technique, basically, right? So you're 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 trying. That's the key. You need to do something to reframe the competition so that if you lose, you didn't lose, but you're still trying to win. That's about as best as I could put it. Um, because this, right? So in the in the Bob Rotella's book. Golf is not a game of perfect. The mentality of a golfer is that they believe on every shot they're going to hit it in the hole. Every single one. If you don't think you are going to hit the shot, perfect shot, right where you want it, every single time, you will never be a professional golfer. How many times do golfers hit hole-on-ones on three pars? Very little. So they are failing at a rate which is which is unbelievable. And yet they still go out there and try. How can they do it? So, God, it's baseball is the one in America because it. So, which means uh, every three out of ten times you get on base. Again, your audience isn't American, but that's not the point. The way the framing is is if you fail seven out of ten times, you are in the Hall of Fame. All right. I told you a ton that the the, the nature of volleyball on the defensive side is that you have you are hopeless to win because they have all the advantages and that is not you have to continue to try and that's not hard so you know you got to reframe you all right so i got something what do you, what do you got here so you, you gotta you gotta sort of like begin to develop confidence um you gotta you gotta like i said reframe the situation let me give you a perfect reframing so i was a high school kid and I was down at State Beach where all the pros played. And me and my buddy, my high school buddy, were sitting by the courts watching the number one players in the world play beach volleyball practice, right? So it was awesome for us. Sinjin and Randy. And here's the thing. Sinjin, at the end of the day, because it gets, you know, it gets dark late, he would always want to play a last game. He would always want to. But nobody else wanted to play. They were done. I had enough. Of course, Sinjin's a champion. He always wanted to play a last game. And no one will play with him but John Hanley, another player, and none of the other pros. And he looks at me and my friend. He goes, do you guys want to play? And we're like, <laughs> I mean, we get to play with the number one team and the number one guy in the world. We are so excited. We get out there. We're high school kids, right? We're not that good. And we're playing against two pros, the best guy. And we win. We actually won the game, right? So they got 15 points, and we got two points. So the score was 15 to 2. We had two, and we won the game, Right? Because we got two points off the number one guy in the world who are high school students, right? If, if you play a game against Michael Jordan in one-on-one basketball and you get a shot off, you've won. Jesus, you know, so and it, it, I always had that sort of, uh, that knowing that reframing things is important. And it's kind of a, I, I think it, 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 it's generated from a positivity and a love for the game. Like, 
you know, wanting to wanting to overcome uh, things that are hard. So I entered. Every, there's not a single tournament I played that I didn't think I could win. The first tournament I played, South Padre with Owen McKibben, we had no chance to win. I, I I would never say like I would beat everybody. Oh, I'm going to beat the third seed, the second seed, and the first seed and win my first tournament. I, I'm not saying I'm I'm that, you know. But I always had the sense that if I get lucky and something happens and a break happens, I could win. It's like I was I was I was open to the fact that a top seed, you know, when when a top seed loses the whole quote unquote the whole side of the bracket opens up and somebody strange and random gets up there, you know, Curios, what is he ranked? He's not he's not top ten. He's not sixty. He had, he was he won the first set of Wimbledon. All right, like he had a chance to win. So always be prepared. And I knew, I knew I was. So, but and again, when you, when you first started the tour, even this tour, you have to you, you geez, Dumbass, you know, whatever, as doing this Elite 16. You can't even get on the tour right now uh, and play in the professional events. So winning might be working your way up. So I didn't even have a partner that was good enough to win at the time when I started. So I had to get better to get a better partner. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, until you get points, nobody wants to play with you because no one wants the bad seed. So, oh my God. So maybe advancing in ranking, you know, getting a better partner, you know, the, those are wins. So I'm reframing my experience from the goal is to win. I'm trying to win every game when I turn it, but winning, like I won. Like every, you know, I get a better partner every so often. I was moving up in the ranking points. That is winning. And that helped me to reframe my experience, uh, the part that could be damaging to me if I thought about it in a different way. Because until you win your first tournament, you've lost 100% of your tournaments. And that has an effect on you if you don't, learn some of these like like again the thing with the wave is a reframing he reframed the competition to make it a positive so yeah so that's a perfect example of that right so you know you 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 got you gotta you have to master self-talk okay how you talk what do they say if we talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves, we wouldn't have any friends right so you have to encourage you you have to be positive you have to be, you know, forward thing. You got to be like, all right, yeah, well, all right. Let, you know, let's get back in the gym. Let's work on that. Um, you got to create like powerful affirmations. You know, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a professional professional. I'm going to win a beach volleyball tournament. You know, continue to talk to yourself. You know, you 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 got to develop confidence the same way you develop your cut shot. Okay, um, and it's yeah. So I, I just. The point is, is that you can train your, you can train yourself in the winning mindset. You can train, you have to train yourself to be, you know, in mindfulness, which is presence, focus. Like I talked about, um, you know, learning to recognize when you're losing focus. Okay. Volleyball is tough because it's pretty clear why you lost and how you screwed up. Remember we talked about the strings coming back? Like, if you got blocked, why'd you get blocked? <laughs> what do you need to work on? So, uh, did you lose focus? Did you not try hard? Again, you know, you, you have to. You, not only is it you have to, you have to be physically strong. So, if you want to win, you have to, you have to work out and train and get the right training coaches. You have to be mentally prepared, as I said. You have to work on your mental. You have to be emotionally. We've talked a little bit about emotional swapping. You have to learn to generate high levels of energy and excitement. It to be, remember what I told you about the Olympics. 
I was out of balance because I wasn't having any fun. I wasn't energetic. I was like, too, too, like, duh, you know, you meet those people all the time. I work hard. It's not about it. It's, t it's supposed to be tough. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I think, yeah. It, so I guess, is that, I don't know if that makes any sense. Does that make sense? That's how I kind of think about it. I think it does. So one thing that comes up into my mind is, is this like a small meditation that I've done to myself on mm -hmm. tournament days and mm -hmm. Basically, I so well. I like cold showers, so I like to start the day with, with a cold shower uh, or ice bath if that's available. But regardless, in this in this shower, then I tell myself that today, regardless of what happens in the result of the game, I will either win or I will learn something. And and learning something is gonna take me further on my path towards becoming a better player and human being and both of these are, are values that i like so regardless of what happens today i will in in one way or another win and and then i find like a t type of um, gratitude and meaning with this which just puts me in a <clears throat> it it puts it takes some of my nervousness away in, in a sense i would say and it like gives me focus and it lets me play fully. Uh, I think this is what I do. Fuck, I'm uh, actually <laughs> I've been talking for a few hours now. My, my mind is starting to, to slip away a little bit. But 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 there, I think I have some notes somewhere about exactly. Well, yeah, look, all right, so tell me. this is what I would say. I would say that everything that you said is 100% correct. And it's a perfect place to start building on something that I'm going to share with you. Because it just occurred to me now, listening to you, and I did do this before, I thought about it. Everything that you are describing is a technique you are using to mitigate the damages that come from not winning and having the winning mindset, which is totally correct. I think you should push through that. I think you surrender. Like, just stop with the reframe. Like, reframing will help. Like, like, the inner game of tennis is meant for people who are, are working their, their way up the mountaintop. If you want at the elite levels where I was, you, it, it, at a certain point, you're like, uh, I, I don't need to reframe anymore because it's a reframing technique. <laughs> it's a crutch. Not, it's not a bad crutch, but it's like, I'm, I'm going to surrender. I'm just going to surrender and just, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I'm going to try to win. And there's winners and there's people that don't win. It doesn't matter because I'm going to do it. So you really do. I, I, there was a point in my life when I completely stopped with the, with the, like, almost like get back and focus. I, I stopped yelling at myself or talking to myself. Like, what are you doing, Ken? I did that when the John Fire said, when you, like, is this, when they talk about surrendering, you just surrender it all and accept who and who you are, right? And you're, then you you reach a level. I, I think that's what they're talking about when they talk like with Zen Buddhism. You know, um, you know those higher higher levels that they're talking about, Nirvana. Okay, as you're moving towards that thing, or what the Christian mystics talked about, or what the religious people. But you you get to that point where it just it just you're, you 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 rise out of 
these little tricks you're trying to do to convince your brain that you didn't really lose or that it was a good thing to do, which are all good. They're all correct. I, I, don't, I do agree. And maybe you sometimes bounce down and have to come back up. But yeah, I, that, that, I just, and I wouldn't even know how to, I'm not a coach. I wouldn't know how to train it, but that's the, that's where I was when I was playing. You know what? It mattered so much to me that I wanted to win. But there wasn't any other thing. Like, there, at, at the end of the tournament, I either won or I didn't. That didn't, didn't change how I felt. Didn't change what I thought. Didn't change what I was going to try to do next time. It, yeah, it just seemed to just, just like, like open. I, right, so I'm playing in Brazil, and it's hot as heck, and it's the world championships. And with Adam Johnson, we're playing against Jose Loyola and uh and genio and i've stopped sweating it's the second game because they decided to serve me and i'm serving and blocking every time and i'm dying and it's hot and it's a good strategy because it'll work even though i would have been the better partner and i stopped sweating and the countdown has become has come at one point i'm going to jump and i'm not going to be able to, to land i'm going to i'm going to cram i'm going to die for ball and i won't be able to get up you push yourself to such levels of exhaustion like you're going to you're going on the ambulance because your body's going to seize up and I just, I was there, and Adam, I go, Adam, um, I stopped, I stopped sweating. And he's like, what? I go, yeah, I stopped sweating. He goes, oh, okay. And we went out there, and there was not, there wasn't a single thought in my mind that I am going to keep charging as hard as I can after every single ball. You know what? My body seizes up and I cramp. I, that's it. I get, what, there's nothing I can do about it. I ain't going to, if I ease up, I ain't going to win. So there's only one option, to go for it, mm -hmm. right? Go for it. Seize up, body. I don't care. Like, I'm not going to think about it. Go. Uh, people would be like, oh, you might hurt your hospital. Uh, whatever. I, you know, I remember I was climbing Kilimanjaro in 2000 after I'd done playing. And I kind of, I kind of, I'm, I'm climbing the mountain. It's like the last day of climbing Kilimanjaro. It's just under 20,000 feet. I can't, I, I couldn't figure out what it is kilometers, but it's high. It's the third highest mountain but it's one of the highest mountains you can actually just walk it's a just a long hike and yep. the last the last day is a two mile hike that takes you eight hours to get to the top so it takes you eight hours to walk two miles because it's really there's no oxygen there's nothing going on um, and you're just walking up the scree and you just take one step and two steps and you stop and you take one step and your oxygen probably and I go, I, I wanted to stop, so we had a guide, but I couldn't remember the guide's name. And uh, I go, you know, then I go, you know, and I can't remember my name. <laughs> All right. I've been so, and I'm like, I'm feeling terrible and I'm feeling miserable. And I said, you know what? I, I, I just don't care if I die. I'm not quitting and I'm not stopping. I'm walking up the mountain. I don't care if I die. Instantly, something in my brain snapped. I was tired. I had to stop every two steps. All the nausea, all the misery, all the pain, gone, gone. The moment I surrendered, the transformation was to me. I'm like, because that's what I did when I played. I'm going for it. I'm going for the serve. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go for the win. Yeah, it's just that. It's that. It's getting. Get so right. Try it next time when you're playing. When you're trying to reframe it, you know, just say, I'm just. I'm not going to frame. Just go play and go try to win. Try it, I guess, would be. So maybe you need to get to a level with these techniques we talked about and these reframing techniques and these thoughts, to then, which allows you to then surrender and then go for it. I guess that's about the only way, you know, I, I can think about it.
That's super interesting. Um, the thing that uh, when I listen to you, the the thing that I can sort of uh, uh, relate to is I have taken some risky decisions with my life, like mm-hmm. uh, certain uh, decisions about what I'm gonna do with work and career and uh, do or not do whatever that has been very very fucking scary like mm-hmm. i just know that if if i fuck this up then i'm going to be fucked up for real and and that might be my life uh but i still want to do it because i i really want to do it and this is the the closest i can relate to this surrendering feeling it's just like i'm just going to fucking go for it i i live once i literally just live once mm-hmm. i have to try and then then i do it and uh, usually <laughs> magic starts happening after you take those decisions. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. It is. When you're, when you're, when you're, that's my experience. When, when you risk your life, life mm-hmm. starts happening. Like it's, uh, things fucking right? get solved. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't care if you're dying. What are you, what are you nervous about? <laughs> what are you fearful about? Oh, you surrendered. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think. But I, I I can't say that I've I've. Don't try this at home, people. <laughs> <laughs> people, do not try. We are professionals. Yeah. <laughs> we are professional knuckleheads who say I don't care if I die because I want to walk up a mountain. Don't listen to us. <laughs> this is where where I'm gonna get emails afterwards of people uh, fucking up their lives and and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, um, I don't know if I've had that within a game of volleyball. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to maybe having that same type of magic happen in, in a game of volleyball if I ever am lucky enough to have that experience. Um, I have had games of volleyball where I feel uh, it's a, like there's audience. I have no idea what they're doing. It's like mm-hmm. I'm very zoomed into the game. And uh, another technique for me to, to be competitive is I have this saying, uh, like, keep beating whoever is already laying down. Like, I have to have zero regards for the opponent's feelings because naturally I'm a person that cares about other people. Uh, but, but but for me to get competitive, I need to sh- completely shut that down. And for me, it, it doesn't sound nice. But for me, the, the, what I'm telling myself is to keep kicking on whoever's already laying on down on the ground, bloody and, and bleeding. Okay, uh, right. yeah. so, so, so even if, and that, because I, I, used to, I used to lose a lot of games where I would be ahead. Uh, because as soon as I get ahead, I... I sort of uh, relax in my game, and then they come back, and then they beat me. Uh, so, so my my way to figure that out was to to regardless of what this point is, even if I'm five points up, ten points up, I need to keep kicking their ass. Uh, I don't know if that's related to this or, or not, but I'm just blattering away. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, look, when I hear what you're saying. It's the same. I hear the same thing in the discussion we just talked about. All right. What is happening is I want to 
there these you know, there's two things you can be I want to kick their ass or they're there you can even be like these people are, aren't as good as me I'm better than them like what you're doing this is why the sports gene book is good what you are doing is that emotion which is being generated brain is creating chemical changes in you if you want to kill somebody or hurt somebody you're going to get a rush of certain chemicals because your mm -hmm. body has to be ready to combat and battle right what you're talking about is trying to artificially generate that through a thought process which is i want to hurt my opponent kick him when he's down Mm -hmm. You could push through that, too. That's not a surrender thing. But you just say, you know what? How can I get those chemicals flowing through my brain? How can I get there without, you know, without, like, like you, the point is, having those thoughts about your opponents will help you. You can get there and get better by just eliminating that middle step, just going to that spot where you're generating that, 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 like, like, come on, come on. Like, it's, you don't have to have that thought, like, I want to kick his ass, like. You're just like, I'm going in there fearless. I'm going in there ferocious. God, Mike Tyson, the very famous boxer, you know, world champion in 19, one of the youngest ones, they would psychologically train him. And the way it talks about, I am fearless. I got the best right hand. No one's going to stop my right hand. It was really, it wasn't like, I'm going to, this sports guy was never like, you're going to kill your opponent. You're going to hurt your opponent. It was almost like, I'm going out there. I'm going to, I'm going to jump high. I'm going to hit hard. I'm going to hit open. So, yeah, that was his psychology. But again, you're just if you read the sports, if you read the sports gene, you'll clearly see it's all, like the thought is stimulating a chemical reaction in your brain, which is having a physiological change. And I think what the yogis are talking about, or the Zen masters, or the Christian super mystics, was that you're just bypassing that stage and just going straight to dumping chemicals in your brain, right? Without the thought, you've learned, you've trained how to do that. So, yeah. Mm hmm. So, did I understand you right? Because like, just play to your maximum, in a sense. And would that make Un understand? Jump in? Understand that the thought you generated to get to the state that increases your ability to play volleyball better, you can just get there straight away. Does that make sense? Yes. And you can go yeah. beyond. You can keep pushing. So, like. You can kill your opponent and kick him when there's down, but where do you go from there? Where do you go? You can't kill him twice, and you can't – he's already down. So mm -hmm. that's going to limit you in your ability to continue to you – know, God, like – I just remember when I was playing I, – I, all right, so, God, the, the, the tournaments are so boring. Oh, my God, they're the worst because because – First, I, I would I would read, or I I'd read and or, and stuff like, but I felt I felt like my brain was getting a little soft, like I wasn't as sharp, so I wouldn't read, and I kind of just sat there. And the worst thing you can do when you're playing tournaments is watch other. You do not want to watch other games because it's tiring. Like you get into the game like a fan, and again, the winner and losing is two points per tournament, right? Okay. And so I just sit there. And I just feel like, oh, my God, like, I just feel like, all right, I'm waiting. But when that game came, oh, my God, I, it was almost like this is where I was born to be. This is where I was born to be. I was so excited, so happy. I wanted to play so well. I wanted to be so pumped up. I wanted to be so positive. I knew what the other team was going to do. I had my game plan. I was, let's come on, you know, like people are like, people are like, 
do you ever get nervous when you play it? I'm like, no, this is where I want to be. I want to be in championships. I want to be in Taekwondo. I want to be the one who gets the serve. The worst thing about that quarterfinal match, which we documented in our book, was they were serving Karch and he was making a mistake. I couldn't get in the game. I wanted to be in the game. I wanted to, if we're going to lose, it's going to be me, right? I wanted to be. So, yeah. So, see how I'm sort of generating these these this uh, even right here as you're sitting there I'm, I'm getting excited I'm getting imagine I was a young kid and it's going crazy so the point is the point is you're trying to get to that state that you got to by thinking those thoughts that you know didn't like sure if you want to go kill people and, and think like that they're horrible that'll get you there I think it'll get you there better if you just focus on yourself surrendering and pushing through and even go, trying to look how do I get higher how do I get more excited about this game how do I get more energetic how can I get more like have more fun okay like the little boys inside me go like how can you just make this such an incredibly high this is what's going on here so see how I'm trying to generate this emotional in myself I'm getting excited I'm getting struck I can even feel my muscles I can feel myself I just want to go out and go beat a volleyball on the ground right so okay mm. Let me kind of, then I'm going to uh, state, I got a state change. So what I was demonstrating there, uh, <laughs> it's going to take a second. <laughs> I almost had a heart attack live on your show. Ken Stavis <laughs> dies on Alex's <laughs> podcast. First gold medalist. He killed me. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So now what I just did there, for anybody who's watching, I didn't mean to, it was just natural. I state changed. I started making a joke and laughing. That brought me down from this heightened state. So I made a joke, started laughing, you started laughing. Okay, and now I'm, I'm back in a better place now. So uh, rewind this tape right now, go back and watch how I began to get myself into a heightened state that that would have been great for volleyball. Then see how I st state changed into laughing this and that. And, and now we're back to having our normal conversation. It was, it was, I didn't mean to do that. We didn't plan it, obviously. It just, I just started thinking, like, what would I have done back in the day? And that's what I would have done <laughs> live. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Um, what one thing that's in my mind right now is actually this this meditation that I do before a competition. So at this point in my life, I have for various reasons. Uh, pandemic and, and others I haven't played too many tournaments recently mm -hmm. uh, it was actually and the last tournament I played I do think I didn't do this meditation uh, so I forgot about it uh, and before that it was a long time since I played a played a tournament uh, but I think one of the thought processes was also that I know that I can if I get caught up in thoughts uh, then I uh, I get out of that excited state, which helps me play. Uh, so so if I so the goal is basically to to recognize that thoughts will come up today, and I will catch them. And since I will catch them, I will play better today, and I will get better at catching thoughts, which creates makes me into a better player and human being. Something among I need to reread the the inner game of tennis because it was from I think it was from reading that that book that I came up with this this uh, type of meditation or mantra that I tell myself in the morning. What whatever. <laughs> uh, I think uh, thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. I need to think more about this. 
and I need to find if I can find my notes about what my what my pre-tournament meditation was, uh, and see if I should tweak that or or anything. You could be able to answer your own question. I keep I, for, from my end. I keep hearing the same question repeated over and over. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the What's the technique to do X? And I'm like, move through the technique and just get to X. All right. Let me tell you. Let me let me let me let me demonstrate. Or I, here's a story again. It's, it's American. What? Was this a capability you had all of your life? I have come to the conclusion now at 54 that it is a light switch that you can turn on and off. It's a choice you make. Winning is a choice. It's a choice you choose to make. When I told you, like, when I said I was climbing with Kilimanjaro and I didn't care if I died and that opened everything up, I can give another story in a yoga class. It's not the point. The point is, if you look at all the stories, they're all the same thing. There's a surrender. There's a moving through. There's a, I'm not going to try for a technique. All right. So the thing with your meditation, what are you trying to accomplish? Can you get there directly? That's the bottom line. And can you get there faster, right? Emotional, you know, swapping, emotional ramping. Does that make, does that, does that, does that we explain that? Emotional swapping means going from one emotional state to another and then ramping that up. So, what are you trying to achieve when you're meditating? What do you want to do? Like, all right, is there a direct path there? Just do it. Like, so there's there's always, I, I, could, I, so I can't necessarily tell you specifically what you're trying to accomplish with your meditation and what the light switch would be to get you from here to there, but I do know it exists, right? I absolutely know it exists, all right? So there's a famous scene in American football, okay, when the San Francisco 49ers and the great quarterback, Joe Montana. You don't have to know about football, but it's at the end of the game. They have a really long way to go, and if they don't score, they lose the Super Bowl, the biggest game of their life, and it's a timeout. So everyone's stuck, and there's 11 guys in the team, right? And they're all huffing by it. <sighs> Come on, guys. <sighs> we have one minute left. we got to drive. Come on. And, and Joe Montana comes in the huddle, and guys are sweating. They're all looking at him because he's the leader, right? He's the leader. And – and he goes to the, to the center, and, and he looks in the crowd, and he goes, the biggest game, Super Bowl. What, they've never won one. What they, it's, it's, it's considered, it's called the drive. It's called one of, it's one of the most amazing comebacks in the history of foot sport, history of football. And, John, and, and John, Joe Montana looks in the crowd, and he goes, is that John Candy, the actor, the famous actor? He didn't say that, but it, there's a famous actor named John Candy who did comedies at the time. He looks at the crowd, and he goes, hey, is that John Candy in the stands? And like the guy's like, Joe, we're in the Super Bowl. Like, what are you looking at the crowd? What are you looking at celebrities in the crowd? He goes, Yeah, that is John Candy. Hey, he's at the Super Bowl. All right, guys, here's the play we're gonna run. And literally, like the, the, the whole team was like, like if he's not, if he's looking at celebrities in the middle of the thing, wow, right? So he he certainly had a mentality that he could switch on and off that he utilized in that one in that area. And I so any question you ask me has it's the same answer what are you trying to accomplish and is there a way to get i know there's a way to get there by just flipping a switch but certainly what you're doing helps does that make sense meditation yeah. helps you should do it but you can figure out a way to just bypass it and go straight to whatever you're trying to get at mm -hmm. but again since i'm not you you know and you know now i'm thinking about it i'm thinking it can't be that easy because it's got to be personal you know what I'm saying? So you described a couple of ways you got through it into a flow state or a zone. 
I described a couple ways. Uh, we had a couple together, like, oh, I don't care about my health or personal. I, I think I got to believe it's personal to everybody mm -hmm. because of their person. Like, like, I could care less what my opponents thought of me. Like, you care. <laughs> like, if I'm up, I want to beat the crap out of them. Like, I had no thoughts of, like, my opponents, but you did. That's just fine. So you have a, you're different than I am, and everybody's different. So the, me, the the switch has to be in a separate place for everybody, and flipping it's got to be different for everybody. And I think that's why we don't have an answer that we can go to a book to read to find out how to do meditation without meditation. Does that make sense? I guess that's the best I can get at it. So my advice to you and everybody out there, do this yourself. You're meditating before a game. What are you trying to do? Try to experiment with getting there without the meditation for yourself. And everybody, like, in a sense, like, whatever, every, all the people listening, it's going to be personal to you. But it is going to be a switch, I believe, that you have to find. And maybe that's the point. The point of the journey is for you to find in yourself you, okay? And that, that would be what I would say is the, the like, the, the, you know, everyone talks about it as a path and you know, climbing the mountain. And I think that's what they're talking about. If, if, it was, if it was something that everybody had, we'd have found it by now and know about it. So it's got to be something personal. And it's kind of, probably can't even be something you can coach. Like I can coach you to tell you, that it, there's a switch there. You got, and you, it's your, like, you got to find it, Alex. And all the people listen, everyone listening out there, like, you got to find it because it's you. And only you knows you. And I think that's the point of sport. Like, that's what it's trying to teach us. That's why it's great. That's why we watch it. That's why you cheer. That's why we play. Because we're trying to find that within ourselves. Mm hmm. That makes sense. Cool. Uh, thanks for thanks for sharing. Th there is a thought. So I'm purely speculating now because uh, if so, th the most amazing thing, if th this podcast episode is, is amazing so far, it's uh, it's really fucking good. But if we could today build this textbook answer, how amazing would that be? No, <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe God or. Uh, if you believe in evolution, maybe they didn't. They didn't design it that way. Maybe they just. Maybe they did. That, maybe they designed us to make the journey hard and challenging. But the I think, God, what's that book? The Alchemist. I think that's what the Alchemist was talking about too. Um, I think you know, like I, you know, like when you look at any religion, I think they have it at source. The journey is hard. It's challenging, but then something happens. They all just a switch. Yeah. I. I, I yeah. So. I, I can tell you that. What do they call it? Your personal. What do they call the? Do you read the book, The Alchemist? Yeah. There's, yeah. There's a specific word he uses. The your your personal not personal journey, but there's some word he uses which is beautiful. So yeah, I don't. You know, I you know, and you go and you push you hard, you work and you're meditating, and you're generating. You're oh, I don't want to be that guy who wants to kill his opponents, but I guess I want to because I want again. The goal is to win. Period. Yeah. Then you try that. You're like, all right, that's not it, because that's not me. So, but there's got to be there. The the switch is there, and only you can find it. It's your journey. It's it's your journey. I think I think that's the way it's designed. 
I think that's the way he, look, I, I'm, a, I'm a religious person and I believe in God. And I think it, that's the, that is, that is the point. Like you're, he is trying to tell you that to find, you know, to meet him there or to find yourself, however, it doesn't like I've, I've studied other religions too. Like they're mostly the same as a certain, that's the point. Like it's you, man, it's, it's your journey. I can't coach you. I, I can get you there. I can get you some techniques. I can give you some tools. But at the end of the day, it's you. It, 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 it you. And you got to have that courage. You got to have that fearlessness. You got to have that excitement. You got to have that energy. You know. Mm-hmm. You got to push through the pain. You got to push through the suffering to find it. And it'll be there. And you'll be like, like I said. All those techniques and, and things you use and all these reframings, and I read the inner game of tennis and I practiced all of them. At a certain point in my career, I didn't do any of them. I didn't need them. Didn't need to. I found the switch. Yeah. Let me throw out one more theory here. So, so far, I think we agree that when you uh, decided on that hike to, was it Kilimanjaro? Mm-hmm. That yeah. you don't care if you die. Mm-hmm. Then this this uh, flip, uh, the switch flipped. Yes. Uh, so so you were afraid of dying, and then you let go of that. You surrendered to the fear. Uh, no, the, no, the no, 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 no. My body was trying to get me to stop climbing Kilimanjaro by making yeah. by giving pain. I didn't. I don't. I don't. I don't feel fear. It was pain. It was nausea. I was just, I didn't want to go on. I'm like, God, this is, this is stupid. Freaking climbing a mountain. Well, I just go down to the camp. Who cares? Like those were the thoughts that were going through my brain that instantly shut off my body. All right. Remember the parts in your body? This part wanted to climb Kilimanjaro yep. so I could tell everybody I climbed. I don't even know why, right? Why do you climb a mountain? Cause it's there. <laughs> but the point is this part of my body was like, what the hell are you doing? It's, it's stupid. It's dangerous. What the hell? You don't need to be here. Go back down and go to the safari. Look at the lions and the giraffes and the zebras. Like this is yeah. dumb. Like so that that part is fighting with this part, this part, and so that's what went away. That entire, like, you know, and, and this it just went away. And I just started walking. I felt great. I felt open. I, I was getting. I was. I, I was breathing hard and try. I had to stop every once in a while. But all the thoughts, all the negativity, all the misery, all this was gone gone and it was beautiful and enjoyable it was hard but it was, it was beautiful yeah that's the, again that's i had the same thing in this yoga class i it was hot yoga i was trying to do this pose i could i was like i'm gonna pass out i'm literally gonna pass out and i'm miserable and i said you know what one day i just said all right you know what i don't care if i pass out but i gotta go in the corner so i don't land on the little tiny yoga chick that's next to me so i get in the corner and make sure that nobody's around because I'm going to do something. I'm going to pass out and it's hot. And I don't think I was going to die, but everyone's going to freak out. And I'm big and they'll never get me out of here. So it's going to be embarrassing too. And I, when I go back, I'm like, all right, here we go. Here we go. My body's going, you're, you're passing out. You're passing out. You're passing out. I said, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Boom. It just opened up. No problems whatsoever. Perfectly clear. Didn't feel a thing. Um, and the reason why I describe these things is because I had this in sports because I had developed it. This is external to these in areas where I hadn't, I don't want to be a yoga 
superstar, or I'd probably have learned that about myself earlier, but just telling you that that's why I believe it's a light switch, because I have experienced it outside of volleyball, Kilimanjaro, the yoga class, it, it is, you, if you knew what I was talking about, you'd be like, did it here, did it there too. Like, if you have experienced, you know it just clicks. And if you haven't, you might have difficulty believing it is that dramatic, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so can I summarize that with saying that there is physical discomfort in part of your body that you ignore and that flips the switch? No. No? No. Remember, the physical discomfort is, 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 is a lie. It's not true. Yes. So Human beings have a problem with reality because we hallucinate all the time. We think we actually can see the truth. We can't. It's wrong. It's 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 not it's not actually there. I, I, I don't know what to say. You you just realize the switch goes. It's not real. What do you mean you're not real? You're you're feeling it. You're experiencing it. All right. Well, I, it's not real. So stop. You know, this part of you. You just almost like, but before the, the flip switches, it feels real. You would, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what we know about cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias, human beings are walking around with these thoughts. I don't care, like, are you a vaxxer or an anti vaxxer? Do you believe it's the pandemic we have to shut down, or is it a hoax? Trump or no Trump? People are all over the map with when it comes to and. Uh, again, there's a there's a purpose for these things. To it's pretty stupid to die on Kilimanjaro. Uh, all right, that your body is protecting you. Um, anxiety is trying to get you to motivate. Anxiety or uh, nervousness is a state change. Um, they're, they're, but you just it's 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 hard. The hardest thing for a human being to do is to realize that they're not only wrong that their conception of reality is incorrect okay like you're you, you you've been you've been get you've been getting it and do it you're, you're you're getting it wrong like i was online the other day and i'm going back and forth with somebody and i'm attempting to point out to him and this is in writing i go do you not see that you are 100 categorically wrong and he engaged in all these things you know cognitive dissonance he wheeled out there's a tech i went to business school too so we learned all persuasion so when you learn you see how people communicate and that's hard like you just like god i've just not been getting it my whole life in a sense i just have i i because we're all sure we all think we know like <laughs> but part of the reason when you can't me on you go i've never heard anything and all these coaches and they disagree with you i'm like yeah <laughs> Well, one of, one of us is wrong, right? One of us is walking, right? It's called two movies on one screen. Uh, you know, uh, that guy we talked about with the line shot, he's, he's right or I'm right, but we both can't be right because we both are on opposite sides. So who's, who's, who's seeing reality correctly? Mm. Who's living in the truth is the bottom line. And so I think that's it. It's, it's you know, it's, it's all... Like I, I think the new, I think the newest version for the young kids is we're living in a simulation, and you can learn to hack the computer code, like the Matrix, literally. Like I think that's that's why that movie, 
the matrix, why this concept of the simulation, we're living in a simulation, takes cold because we it's something like it's down that line you know it used to be religion right now it's that sort of like you know elon musk is like on joe rogan saying no of course we're a simulation it's a computer program controlled by other people because that's getting at it you can hack your own software code and get it to do what you want to do I'm, i i know it i've experienced it i've done it i can't tell you how to do it because you're you yeah 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 uh damn it's getting deep this is getting this is getting deep yeah Yeah, i'll just end end this with with what i'm gonna contemplate further myself at least and and so this i know i'm gonna be thinking about this a lot and and (laughs) and seeing where i end up but uh there's a little theory in my mind which says okay so we are going through an illusion yes so to to get to this 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 flip switch state or whatever we should call it so i for example i had fear about what would happen with my future if i take certain decisions i sort of looked through that illusion of that fear maybe and that's when i have experienced i think the closest to what you're ex- describing um you had an illusion of being tired in your muscles, I think, when you walked Kilimanjaro and you sort of look through that illusion and things. Uh, so maybe it's about finding what is your illusion. And maybe that's what is the individual part of this, because maybe we all have different illusions that we need to go through. <laughs> because we're all unique. Everyone's, you know, everyone's got a uh, got a thumbprint, which is completely different. You, everyone is unique. You know, they call Imagio Dei, the image of God, right? You know, perfectly, not not made perfectly, but perfectly made, and that's that's it. And that's that, yeah, for sure. It, that's why at the end of the day, you, the athlete, are out there. No coaching, no this. It's you, man. I wish I wish I could tell you what it was specifically you or you you, but you're gonna have to find that switch. Yeah, I I couldn't believe that more. That's cool. Which just frustrates all the coaches because they want to find the switch and get their players a switch so they can get to. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of right. That's good. That's what your coaches are trying to do. Get us to flip that. Come on, you guys, you knuckleheads. Ah! I did not see that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So again, look, look, look how beautiful. I've never thought about this. I said this many times. Look how beautiful that makes the coaching relationship. The coach is the one who's the guide for the person's almost spiritual journey towards Mm -hmm. finding the switch, like or or like with the alchemist, the, the or you're the one who's trying to point out where the software code you can hack to get to get out of life with whatever you want. That's beautiful. Thank God for coaches. You guys are you guys are awesome. You know that you guys take it upon yourselves to help others to find that switch. Yeah, yeah. It's uh... yeah. I don't know. I'm a little bit speechless. But but <laughs> but. But well, we're on uh, almost on four hours, and I gotta go to dinner soon. Here, yeah. And you probably do you go to bed now, or are you awake? Or are you going to bed soon? I'm going to bed after this. Oh. Yeah. 
it's uh, right. let's see what yeah. time it's it's four in the morning for me uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah okay i think uh, that is a conversation i will remember for a long time in my life and contemplate a lot in the future i hope the listeners will also uh let's uh maybe we should get towards the end so in the end i have three questions for you and two of them are be going to be really quick so i'll start with the one that could become longer first and it's it's a simple question i think i stole this from travis uh your co-author and the sandcast podcast uh is there anything you wish we would have talked about that we haven't no i mean i think we covered like no because have, have you have you talked enough about the book i want you know there we go amazon <laughs> kings of summer there you go kings of summer the rise of beach volleyball buy it put a nice notice for us on amazon Yes, like and buy it for your friend, but all the volleyball people. Uh, and I will put links in the description for the show note to this book and every other book that we have discussed yeah. during this the show. Yeah. So no, I think I think like I mean I, I believe I've expressed how I view volleyball, the approach. Yeah, for sure. Like, you have. I mean, you can go, uh, well, I can go on forever on tiny, tiny, tiny things. I put the thumb right, but yeah, like it's the philosophy. I think that would be. I think. Your listeners would maybe most be interested. Yeah, I think I, yeah, we did a good job here. Yeah, and I learned. I learned a bunch. I learned some stuff today too that I'd never learned because I've never, I've never verbally had to express it. I just did it. That's yeah. Good. So thank you too. <laughs> that, that's amazing. That's actually part of the reason I coach because I feel like I learn the sport better by trying to teach it to people. Uh, hmm. So this effect that you're just talking about, I, I experienced. So. So I think I can become a better player by coaching. <laughs> oh. uh, My dad did that. My dad liked to coach uh, track too. He uh, he thought he'd be a better runner. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, but there's there's nothing in your mind that you're like uh, I really wish wish uh, to talk about this also. No, no good. Yeah, no. Awesome. Uh, actually, yeah, there was one. Little, uh, have you ever been on a beach volleyball podcast? I, I tried to do research on you and I didn't find you on any podcast. I searched for Ken Steffer's podcast. Didn't. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, I did Gabby Reese uh, last week, but she hasn't posted and you're pretty much, you know. Ah, okay. Okay. You'll, you'll, if you get it up, you'll be the first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to be quick. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> Second last question is, now that you know what it's like to be on the Learn Beach Volleyball Fast podcast, mm-hmm. uh, who would you enjoy listening to if, 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 I, if you could choose who I would interview? Uh, what interview would you want to listen to? You know, oh God, it was, first of all, I, I, you know, I'd, listen, I'd like to listen to, you know, the top players just... The only problem is with with players, and I even thought this myself. It's, it's it's difficult for us to articulate what our experiences are, what we're going through, because we're you're young and you don't have the words. But um, who would I want to see about volleyball? God, I just well, I, I like business. So if you bring somebody up who's talked about how 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 you know weak the tour is what's going on <laughs> why they refuse to actually 
make a decent volleyball tournament with some money for the players. It's it's they've done it twice and it's easy to do and why they don't do it. Um, let me think here. You know, there's been some advances. There's been a lot of advances in, like I said, like, you know, the, the, the sort of how the brain works and the dopamine and right. So I would like sports psychology is in its infancy. It's like, imagine training in the 1970s, what we know then, like, it would be interesting to hear someone who who, who is, is moving sports psychology in the right direction because currently they're kind of more they're by psychologists who deal with athletes and they're more like therapists than they are we, we've got the research now the sports gene will tell you the sports gene will tell you what's going on in your brain but no one has been i haven't read books like like we were talking about here, how to get those things happen in your brain uh, is anybody doing that in this world of volleyball? Is anybody talking about that? Um, survey of, of, of some of the volleyball sports psychologists that are working yeah. with the athletes. It's, well, the problem is you got to find someone who's successful. You know, someone who took. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, there, there's. Fuck! I still haven't read his book. Uh, there's this guy called Stephen Cutler that talks about like has done research about like states of mind of uh, of like hyper performance mm -hmm. and, uh, actually maybe this is uh, so he said that 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 extreme sports athletes that do do sports where there is physical risk more often experience these states of mind mm -hmm. uh, which maybe is about again <laughs> Maybe about having that illusion and going through it, uh, possibly. I, um, I, so, yeah. Who else? So, you know what's funny? I'll just let this out. Like, I, I thought about it again. I'm like, I actually said, what kind of podcast do you actually listen to? <laughs> so I took your question. Like, well, what do I? If, what I listen to a lot are U.S. Navy SEALs. Okay, Special Operations Forces. And what I'm always fascinated is by their hell week, where they stay, they don't let them sleep for six days. They do awful, horrible things to them. And only the ones who are willing to put up with it, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like only guys who have the ability to throw that switch, get rid of the central governors here. <laughs> so, and, you know, what they, they do the most awful things to them. If you, you can't even imagine the most degrading, humiliating, hurtful, they, they're punching them, breaking their noses, they're like doing weird guy things where nobody's watching. And yet they transform some normal person into someone who just walk into the face of fire, fire, right? So, I mean, so the guy, when they, when they when they went in the Obama compound to go get, or not Obama, Osama bin Laden compound, the first guy in grabbed two people and was sure, they'd been told they had vests on they were gonna blow. And he grabbed them and pushed them against the wall so that when they blew up, he would absorb the impact to save his buddies and to allow the mission to go forward. What is the mindset of a person who's running into the room, not knowing whether there's it, but assuming, I'm assuming they have it, so I'm going to wrap myself up on it. And how, and, and what I'm, so because I'm fascinated, it's like how they got from here to there. So I listen to that. A lot, mm -hmm. and you know, because that's what I'm interested in. So, if there was somebody hey, who was hey, who David Seal, 
Is David Goggins is one of those, right? Mm, well, I listen to Mike Ritland. He's Mike Drop. Um, uh, Andy Stump was Cleared Hot podcast. Uh, Jocko Willink, you know, is, is one. He, he's good. And uh, that they 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 certainly have a training program to change the mindset of human beings in the most in, in extreme fashion, the most extreme at all, where you'll jump on a grenade. You'll, you'll, the, all right, you ready? All right. Alex, when we hit the room, your job is to get blown up so that we can get the mission done. You're like, okay, let's go. Yeah. They don't have a second thought. Yeah? Like, they all thought, I read it, ready? I read a story. They're, they're, they, because they can't tell you the, the really crazy stuff they do. But I read this story where the, the missions they get tasked with are so crazy that they send they send flowers to their wives about the time they think they're not coming back. That's the missions they know they're going on, that they're, they're sending flowers to their wives. Hi, sorry, honey. <laughs> Love you, I'm not coming home. And again, sports is different, it, 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 but but there there I've I, like I said because I'm I'm just obsessed and it's a passion of mine, and I'm fascinated by that change in people. They're just normal because they always start out. They're from somewhere. They're from small town. You know, some got in trouble, some didn't. Some are athletes, some weren't. You know, and they all end up in this place. So we know we we know we can train people. We know we can get them there. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I have listened to a little bit of interviews like that, but should probably do more. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so okay. Uh, <clears throat> my last question is is just about contact info, but. Do I? I also did have when we chatted before. Um, you and I mentioned it when we chatted that I would ask you about this. Uh, so here's what I wrote down: When I asked while chatting about what you think should be done to grow the sport, you replied, <laughs> "It has already been done both in the U.S. and FIVB. They only have to follow the model that was successful, which they're not." <laughs> I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> Where's my piece of paper? Did I write that down there? Um, well, what's the model? Pay the pay the players more. So <laughs> we can cut this out. If, if well, no, they're, they're, right. So it, it all. I'll, I will never. It, it will never change. What is the goal? All right. So what do you want to accomplish? I, I I can get you I can get you a beach volleyball tournament that's that's people watching it it's money because we've done it okay we've done it and uh, they don't want to do that and the question is why so there's I now like if I was to sit there with Volley World I, I don't think I could do I could couldn't create a tour that's really fun that a lot of fans go to that has a lot of money for the athletes and get them what they want so it's the problem is the goals so all right first of all it's real simple you must have a beach volleyball tournament 
All right. What does that mean? That means anybody can play. All right. The mistake of Volley World with the Elite 16 is that they don't understand sport at a deep level, human level. Right. You're collecting the world's greatest at beach volleyball athletes and let them pound on each other to see who's the best, which means it's got to be open to all. You can't restrict it. It's ridiculous. There's not a single sport around that does that. You know, I can walk up to Manchester United tomorrow. If I'm good enough, I'm playing. They're putting me on the team. You can't go into the volleyball tournament and prove the same thing. It's ridiculous. So first thing, you have a tournament. Is there problems? Of course. Fix them. Solve them. Second thing is that the nature of the, na- the nature of, of, of sport is that it's, they're difficult to make money. If, you could, if they made money, uh, you'd have a lot of them, right? The problem with the beach volleyball tournament with everything is they don't make money or they're hard to make money, and you have a re- major problem to solve. So one of, the reasons, one of the things you do is the successful model in America when the AVP had $4.5 million in prize money and we had you know, all those fans I told you, and the FIVB tour was huge, too. Like it was, it, the FIVB tour had tons of prize money. They they were at cities fighting over to hold events. They wanted to hold events. They want to hold big events. Yeah, whatever the minimum prize money, we don't care. All right, you know, Leonard Armato put on a tournament in the United States. It was half a million. FIB is like you got to have a half a million dollars. Like I, I'm not going to do a tournament for half a million dollars. I got to do a tournament for a million dollars. Like what? Oh, okay, million dollars. Right. And the, the reason is is because you have local promoters. All right. The the, the you want to put on a tournament in a city and you want it, your whole goal is to make it successful. How do you make it successful? The current the current thinking of Volley World is, how do I get money out of these people? You got to pay me a, a fee. Why? What's your goal? You know, is your goal like, why, why am I paying you a million dollars? Because you're giving me the right to put on a volleyball tournament? What are you going to do with the money? You're going to put it, you're going to give that million dollars to the athletes? You're gonna, what are you going to do with the money? Volley World's going to take it. CVC is going to take it. See my point? How easy it is? Like, why would it start? Like, wait, I thought you wanted me to put on a tournament that a lot of people come to, that a lot of people want to watch, that gets prize money athletes. Is that your goal? Because clearly it's not. Because that makes no sense. It makes no sense to charge them money. As a matter of fact, FIVB probably got to put in money. You know? F- you know, FIVB gets a lot of money from the IOC for the Olympics. Well, they're supposed to develop beach volleyball. Got it. Well, so you need to find partners that look, look, if you want someone to help you, did you watch the tournament around the world championships? This year? Yeah. Uh, this year, I don't, didn't watch it too much. All right. So everybody go and look at those recaps and look at day six, seven, eight, like the finals had an okay crowd everywhere else. It's completely empty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%, there's nobody in the stands. There's nobody watching the other courts. What are you doing, is my point. Clearly, there's not somebody who's got an interest and a desire to get people there. That's where they're messing up. So you need a local promoter. You, you need a local person. You have to go find a group of hustlers that will you can convince to put on a beach volleyball tournament in a city. And if your relationship with them is like, you need us. <laughs> you're, you're not, nobody's going to show up and do that for you. But if you're like, please, would you please put on a tournament? When we like, we when we the tour in the AVP was large. We had a local promoter, the Miller Distributor. When the FIVB was kicking butt, Ruben Acosta was like, 
yeah, we want you to make, we want you to do so well, have such a good turn, make money, have fun, that you want to do it again. And it's that attitude that I don't necessarily see and read when I'm looking at it. And I, then I wonder why nobody comes to tournament, nobody comes, and why they don't have many tournaments, right? So what, what, what then, then what FIVB does is they sell the meta level. Right? Again, I went to business school uh, at Stanford, so they sell the tour and the title, and then they sell the television package, right? Um, and uh, uh, what happened, right, this is, the, the FAVB tour was like this, and then it went like this, and they're trying to regrow it. Why did it go from here to there? Bottom line is somebody convinced the FIVB that if they excluded more categories of sponsorships, sponsorship categories, FIVB would make more money and they couldn't sell them. And because they excluded them, the local tournaments, the local promoters couldn't make their tournaments work. So everyone's like, no, I don't want to do a tournament anymore. So before when everybody wanted a tournament, cities were fighting, you know, and actually the tour is so European heavy that the Asia was like, we need tournaments. And they're like, okay, we'll give you one China. And China's like one, we, we got billion plus people. We have four tournaments and everyone wanted a tournament. It was crazy. And then it went to like, nobody wants to turn anymore. Well, it's because they excluded the categories. They weren't trying to develop and make money. And that was a specific case. Sinjin, I talked to him because I said to him, I said, I talked to him last month. I said, why did the FIVB go down when it was so hot? He goes, they wanted to exclude sponsorship categories. I'm like, why? He goes, someone convinced them they can make money. I'm like, well, is that the goal? Is the goal of F is the FIVB's goal to make money on the volleyball tournaments? Or is that, tell me, or not? That's all I need to hear. I'll tell you whether they're successful. All right. And the reason why, the reason why FIVB, by the way, you sell these titles, you give it to the players. That's where the prize money came from. So Ruben Acosta helped the, 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 helped the local people, promoters, get their tournaments up and running to the point where they had loved it and had fun. Because again, only the local guy knows where to, where to get the revenue from, how to drive revenue in the local space. You can't get that from Lausanne, Switzerland, or wherever uh, Finn Taylor is. So um, they sell just the top because they're the only ones who could sell the TV package. Um, God, there's just so many easy ways to do it. Like, um, okay, I, uh, I guess I didn't print out my, <laughs> I didn't, let me see if there's anything else I missed. I don't think I printed out my, uh, my, uh, thing here. Does that, doesn't come on my screen, does it? All right. Yeah, there you are. There too. Um, where am I here? And then we'll talk about more generally. Uh, yeah. Hold on here. Yeah, I'm just four hours tired. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you're, you're, uh... I'm gonna, regardless of if we stop now within two minutes or or a little bit more, I'm gonna say that you you have uh, um, what's the word when you you do as much as someone else, like you tangent? Uh -huh. No, I don't know. What? Uh, I just know the Swedish word for this shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, Steve Anderson has the record of a four and a half hour podcast on my podcast. Uh, oh, I think you're <laughs> four eleven. Jeez. All right. 
But the bottom line is, like everything, like everything, it's sort of like I guess you know, I can't recall this for I've never done this in my life. How funny! Um, I guess hey, welcome to the uh, internet age. Where'd you go here? Where? Oh wait, no, you're over here. You're on Skype. Yeah, see, I'm, I, I'm like I'm like on Kilimanjaro right now. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, please. I don't care if I die. I'm not going to die on your podcast. You know? <laughs> well, <we're good. laughs> so, so, all right. Now, now, so, one last thing. Um, where it, again, I, I, you, you, it, it's this is no criticism of the FIVB. It is no criticism of Finn Taylor. It is no criticism of the bad business model that's barely going to work. They're going to limp along. It's literally if you were to get in there and ask that they, they would they do they their goal if you were to, if you're have them write down their goals, man you know basically they're overestimating how big a, the sport is that's their problem all right sports is about complexity narrative and communication sports that are complicated like soccer are more popular than sports like that are less complicated like like javelin all right. Volleyball's a long low end. Pass that hit. Like we went through it. It's three things. Not a big deal. Pass that hit. Pass. And, it's, and it's complexity from the viewer's perspective. So there's a cap on the on, on how big volleyball will be. Period. You're just you, you're not gonna. It's not gonna be as big as soccer. Period. It's gonna be bigger than javelin. Javelin will never. You can do whatever you want. So don't fool yourself. You know they talk about 900 million people. That is the biggest bunch of baloney you'll ever you'll ever taste in your life. Um, if you were if you were to call up the FIVB and volleyball world and Finn, and this is a physical term, if you were to say, "Tell me what your revenue projections are going forward," you would laugh at the naivete uh, of what they're projecting they could do, and that that informs the business model. And everyone, when everyone, whenever I say that to everyone, goes, "Well, you can't, you know what? You don't think volleyball is cool? You don't think it's great? No, I think it's great, but we're kind of a, there's you know there's some sports are a little niche. They call them, they lack complexity and narrative and communication. They're niche." If you don't recognize that, you're not going to be able to grow to the survive. So, for example, one of the worst things that ever happened to beach volleyball was to get stuck in the Mininette department of the supermarket. Okay, right? The indoor volleyball department. Why are the Why are the World Championships every two years? Can somebody explain that to me? Okay. Why wouldn't you have a World Championships every year? Does that make any sense to anybody? Well, let's look at in, let's look at indoor volleyball, Mininette. Our game. You can't have a world championships every year because the tournament takes too long. Mm -hmm. you, you don't have, an indoor volleyball does not have a weekend tournament to decide the world championships where the teams play six games or four games a day or whatever. That's not indoor volleyball. Indoor volleyball takes a month. How long are the world championships of indoor volleyball? Well, and so you have the World Cup one year, the World Championship, the Olympics. They're thinking of the FIVB as that beach volleyball in volleyball is volleyball, right? Hmm. I have news for 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 Finn Taylor, FIVB, and all the people. When he came on and I heard him go, there's 900 million volleyball fans out there, and I told and I said to him, I've never heard of a sport called volleyball in my life. All right, that doesn't exist. There's beach volleyball and indoor volleyball, and if you think the same, they're the same sport. You're not paying attention. Right? You don't know sports at the level because they are not. They have different athletes, different people. They have different viewership habits. What there's no there's like you think just because someone like indoor volleyball they like beach that's ridiculous. Anyway, let me tell you what we used to do. <clears throat> we used to have the World Championships in Rio in February 
Then there was 15,000 people in the stands with 5,000 people outside the stadium trying to get in who will never get in. There was great prize money. It was televised not only throughout Brazil, but throughout the world. Imagine, if you will, the world championships of beach volleyball in Rio. You're in Europe. You're in North America. You're cold because it's February. And you see these people rocking out, having a great time. Right? You know, it, it's sunny. It's hot. Everyone knows what's happening in Rio. Everyone's getting, you know, getting some. And they did that. It, it was successful. And it made money. And I don't understand why they're not doing that. I, I don't understand why it was in Rome. And two years from now, it's going to be in Mexico. Okay, like they don't ask themselves this: Why should I watch this sport? And how? Like, who? Who? Which one should I? What should I? Should I watch? Okay, you're you're familiar with Grand Slams and with major tournaments. So when when they FIB was this, and then they went this, they called everyone a Grand Slam. It's a grand slam. Everybody said his news like, we have 15 grand slams this year. And I was like, well, you can only have four or four majors because that's what a grand slam is. Well, they told me, Kent, the tournament wants to be a grand slam. I'm like, you're not a major tournament because you've called yourself a major. You're a major tournament because historically, that's the ones everyone knows are the championships of the championships. Right? The genius of the Olympics is that every four years, they bring together a lot of sports, including ones that have low complexity, low narrative, and low communication. They put massive communication on them. Everyone knows the Olympic Games. Everyone knows the, the um, you know, uh, what a gold medal is, right? And so some of these sports like javelin and shopping, and I, by the way, I'm not criticizing anybody at javelin or any sport. What I'm saying is how often do you need to get the world's best together in a competition that people are going to watch? It seems that there's a lot of sports that four years is about it. So, you know, like get your, all the javelin people get together every four years and let's see which one of you throws the throws a stick the farthest, right? Now, what is volleyball? Like, the, the way I think about it is, you know, are, are you expecting, so the, the size of the volleyball, who's going to watch it is, is small. This is where I'd be thinking, like, how many tournaments do you want, are, are you expecting me to watch? Like, what are your big tournaments? Beach volleyball, FIVB. If you were to call volleyball world, I'd be like, hi, my name is Kent. Which of your tournaments are going to be the best? Give me the best two. He'd be like, uh, what do you mean? We have a whole tour. We have three tiers and six tiers. And da, da, da. I go, no, no, I just I, I just want to know when I, I, I'll watch, but I'm not sure I'm going to watch six tournaments. I want to watch one. Like, how often are you, guys, are you guys going to get together and showcase your talents? And why? See, nobody thinks about it from the fans' perspective. From somebody like, like, you know, if I was sitting there in Europe or, Amer or North America and it was cold and snowy and I got to sit there watching the TV, these awesome athletes compete in Brazil and it's hot and it's warm and the stadium's going crazy, I'd probably tune in, right? Is that what you, which ones are you focusing on, FIVB? Can you tell me? All right. Alex, uh, you know, wh which tournament should I watch this year? And Why? You guys tell me. You're the you're the, you're the guys who are putting together the split. And by why is there only sixteen? Why isn't every? What, what, is this is this the one where I, the Olympics? Right? Can anybody play in the Olympics? Anybody can play in the Olympic volleyball competition, can't they? You sure bet they can. These other terms, like well, all right. So I know if I watch the Olympics, I'm gonna get the best beach volleyball, the best, the best athletes in the world. They're gonna be playing their best. 
All right, you tell. Uh, where, where, where's the Where's the next time? What you call it World Championships, and I'm supposed to go like woohoo? Like, is it a World Championships? Is are you guys taking it seriously? Like, I get, I get it. You call like that's the whole thing in our book. In 1976, two guys called the Beach Volleyball World Championships because well, they just decided to call it World Championship. Was it? Well, I guess so. They had the best athletes, but they just happened to be all from Southern California, from two beaches. Uh, is that a World Championships? Anyway, so I'm, I'm going nah, I don't think I'm going to four hours and 30 minutes. I'm going to die here. But do you see the difference? Do you see the difference of what it, it, it you know, it, back in our day, like we had the man. All right. So the Manhattan Open was considered you, you every the Manhattan Open was the tournament everyone knew and they all came to and everyone watched. There were three Cuervos that Santa Cruz board like we communicated to the market. These are the ones, if you if you have one tournament, if you're going to watch or come to one beach volleyball tournament, it's Manhattan. If you want to watch four beach volleyball tournaments, these are the four you should watch. If you're a fan that likes to watch every week, watch every week. If you're a fan in the Midwest, these are the tournaments you should go to. If you're a fan in Florida and you want to go to an event, this is what you should go to. Like that was our, and I, and I look at their volleyball, volleyball world site. I look at the AVP site and I cannot, I cannot tell which tournaments I should be watching or even going to. Should I go to that one in Mexico? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. The 2020, what, what, what year are we in? Let's see. <laughs> the 2023? When is the world? Yeah. 2023, 2025. Like, should I go to Mexico and watch the tournament? Should I wait? Should I watch it? Is that going to be worth watching? Anyway, oh. I'm rambling a little bit because I'm a little tired. But yeah. It's clear to me, it's clear to me that everyone, whatever their goals are, it is not to inform the world when the world's best athletes are getting together and why I should watch this particular one or that particular one. That's, that's a good point. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, every other sport, ready? Which, which soccer games, if you're going to only watch one soccer match, which one would it be? Everyone's Fox. different, but... Soccer, I'm I'm worthless, but uh, but I'm thinking of Wimbledon as, as a good example of this. I I don't know much about tennis, but yeah. but I I recognize that name. Right. Uh, so if you're I gonna watch know, tennis I match, I don't, I don't know where it is. I don't know when it happens. I I have no idea what it is, but I've heard that that word since I was a child. Yeah. All right. So you know, every, all right. So whatever sport you want to watch, but it, all, all, everybody listening to this, think about this yourselves. Like you know, you're gonna get the best tennis players at Wimbledon, the U.S. Open. All right. You know the British Open golf, the US Open golf, the Masters golf. They're gonna be there. They're gonna be bitching to play hard. They want you know they want to win there. Right? So, mm -hmm. you know, is 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 all right, is that the one? Was the world championship? Is, is, you guys tell me if this is the one you're gonna say is the test of the collecting of the great you're, you're, you're right. The, the, here's this point. You collect the beat the best athletes in the sport and you then tell everybody to come watch. Right, pretty simple. Is that what? Where are you doing that? Hmm. Anyway, and how many, how many of these can you can you? Well, I get it. Every city wants to make that claim, right? Every oh, we'll have ten tournaments. No, can we want all ten to be the same? Well, I don't want. I'm not going to watch ten. So if you don't tell me which one is the best of them, and again, it, that's going to be market determined. It doesn't matter what I want or you want or FIV wants. The market will determine how big a sport is based on complexity, narrative, and communication. So you better get that right. You can have a lot of tournaments, 
but which ones are you going to tell me are the ones I, I should watch? I think I'm repeating myself. I think we answered the question. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's. Uh, we should have had this at the beginning because I really like this. Is I, I'm not. I don't play volleyball anymore. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'd give you a little better answer, but seriously, like it, it, it is simple. Simple. It can be done. It's because you don't have what's called goal alignment in, in business school. Like I guarantee, if you have, if you make them write down their goals, if you look at their business plan, if you look at their business plan, you know, let me give you an example. I've done consulting work, and some restaurant group came in and wanted to hire me, right? And and so I took a look. They wanted me to raise money for them, right? Because I a money guy, and uh, I, I so I said, okay, I'll look at the business, this and that, because you have to have an officer. You got to tell everybody. I counted the number of tables in the restaurant, and I counted the number of chairs because there's this restaurant space constraint. And I said, all right, they're only doing lunch and dinner. I said, but if they were open 24 hours a day and the restaurant was full and they did this many turns, so everyone ate for an hour, how much money would they make? And I said. You guys don't have enough money to cover your expenses, so you don't have a business. Like, and you're not going to be open 24 hours. You don't do breakfast. You're not always going to be full, and your tables or turns are going to be wrong. So, you there's no way to do business. And I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. Well, can you still raise money for us? And I'm like, what? I go, all right. You want me to raise money for a business that I know is impossible <laughs> to make? Uh, the, you don't have enough tables. They're like, well. Do you know anybody else who can help us raise money? And I'm like, I, I swear to God, if you were to look at the business plan and the revenue assumptions of these guys, you would go, you would shake your head and go, you guys got no chance, <laughs> no chance. But they'll limp along. They'll do all right. They think they can do it. Yeah, like we talked about before, everyone's living in kind of a kind of a distorted reality. So, yeah. Uh. Uh, yeah, the AVP is even more like, uh, God, I don't know if I can. I, I, so if it, God, can you see behind me? Like if you if you were to look at th this is this is the Hermosa Beach Open when I played. Yeah, God, you know, I'm going to do this because you guys have to see this and tell me if you can see it, because this 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 tells the whole deal. Are these so. the pictures you posted in the Facebook group also? Yeah, I did. I did. Well, this was a different term, but the same concept. All right. Can you see that tournament? Yes. All right, go look up. This is the this is the U.S. Championships, Hermosa Beach. It's probably got to be 1990 something, right? And then go. I swear to God, go right now to YouTube. Look up, the, look up the World Championships in Rome, and, and you'll just be like, "We did it!" All right, ready? We did it. Back by the way, okay. So. What what's your guys? Uh, sorry, I just am I, am I recording? I think I'm dead. I can hear you. No. Yeah. Okay. We did it. It's not not that difficult there. Go look at Rome. <laughs> well, where's Rio? Where's Rio? <laughs> Go look at Rio. I, I got these pictures. God, where, where are my pictures here? Can you not? Are you, can you see the camera? Hold on here. Where is this? God, that's so funny. Can I get on here? You got him on the phone? Uh, yeah, but I'm not going to be big enough. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. All right, so.
And so here is the tournament when I played in Hermosa Beach. Uh-huh. All right. This is Hermosa Beach a month ago. Uh-huh. Right? What, what you notice is, one, there's nobody there. Two, they smashed everybody into this really super small stage that's really high, and they pointed the camera at it to make it look like there's a lot of people there. Yeah. Who wants, who wants to go to that tournament? This is so funny. Let me see. Where's Rio? Hold on. I got my Rio pictures. Background music. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know I can you know what you have done you have officially bro broken the the length record of an episode on, on that's the what i'm talking about <laughs> winner winner chicken dinner <laughs> all right anyway i was going to show you a picture of rio in the world championships when I played, and trust, I trust me, or go online, or I think I'm on Facebook. Trust me, the crowd what? is gigantic, gigantic, and we made more money, and there was more people watching on TV than they did in Rome. I think it was a month ago at the world championships. We did it. It's easy. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's what I mean by it's easy. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's it's good to get these thoughts thoughts out there in the public, yeah. I guess. Mm. I think there's a lot of people that care about making this sport better, and uh, yeah. And I think uh, like uh, I don't know when I started, I I didn't know I I wasn't a part of what happened before I started, you know. So mm -hmm. uh, so so I like hearing these ideas. I like yeah. Ideas. Well, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> <F -I -V. laughs> I've done it. By the way, it, it, the funny thing is, so we went up, and then in the late '90s, we went bankrupt because a bunch of people. Everybody wants to steal it. Everybody thinks they're going to make money. Everyone wants to control it. It's actually in our book. Uh, you know, these guys want to control. It, these guys want to control it, and it's it's always the same. It's always if somebody comes in and has an unrealistic expectation. Their goals are not aligned correctly. Their revenue models are off, and there you go. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to end this podcast by uh, giving you the opportunity to, if you want, uh, give out contact info to you. Uh, it sounds like you're not coaching. Uh, I don't know if you are. If you want anything with volleyball to do anymore. <laughs> no, I just, well, I was a player. I'm not a coach. So, yeah, but I, I applaud coaches everywhere. I, look, I, like, uh, FIVB, if you'd like me to consult with you, I'd talk to you. I'd do it for free because I love the sport. No, you're not going to. No one's going to call me. <laughs> Finn Taylor, <laughs> Volley World. I know exactly how to run the tour to make it money and to have it be big. 310-991-5368-kentedkentstephas.com. Uh, DM me on Facebook. I'm going to do my job because I'm not expecting any calls. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've been in this too long, Alex. I've been in this too long. I, if they wanted it to be big, it would be big. You know, if they wanted it, yeah, it, it's, yeah. Call me FIVB. Call me uh, Finn Taylor and Volleyball World. I got a Stanford MBA, and I was the number one player in the world, and I was the one who grew the Beach Volleyball Tour in the AVP to the highest level it's ever been in America, and that was bigger than even your tour. So I've done it, too. Thank you very much. I won't hold my breath. <laughs> we'll see what this and is. By the way, I must say, uh, and I'm a little tired here, so I'm really much more better when I've had a little food. Anyway, yeah, try. I know it. I, yeah, it's. It, it, it. I have a sort of a personal philosophy. You know, it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. So you can. I, I could sit there and bemoan the fact. Oh, I wish I was still involved. I, Wish they'd listen to me. Can you believe they don't tell, take my business plan? Like you can whine. It is what it is. It is what it is. You know, life is life is life is too short, and it's too wonderful, and it's too awesome, and there's too much to do, and there's too many people to talk to, and too much fun to have, to be you know, worried about this stuff. But call me, call me Finn, call me. We'll see if he does. <laughs> guaranteed guaranteed yeah. he calls me i'll fly out here alex for a steak dinner and a personal tour of state beach <laughs> he's not gonna call me <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well thank you so much for this episode i don't know how to how to thank you enough um I have a lot of new thoughts to process, a lot of things to try out in my own game. I'm sure the listeners have the same. I'm very happy that this, uh, these thoughts are recorded. Cool. Um, and uh, I hope you are too. I hope you had a good time. Yeah. This will be my Magnus Open. What is it? Magnus Opus? Yeah, whatever it is. This is, uh, this is just, I like, got it all out. All other podcasts, just take clips from here. You don't even need them anymore. I don't think I had any more to say. The whole session, I'm done. It'll just be a repeat from here on out. <laughs> Jesus. Is this how all the podcasts are? Four and a half hours? I've been new to this. Dude. <laughs> oh, my shoulders are staying. Like, oh, I'm tired. I'm hungry. Oh, it's fun. It's fun, fun, fun. And thank you. Thank you for giving me this experience. I never thought I'd be doing a podcast for four and a half hours six months ago, and I had a I had a fabulous time. And thank you, and thank all of you, anybody out there who made it this far, this entire time. Bless you, thank you, and go for it. Go for the gold. Go play volleyball. Get out there and do your best. Literally, just go have fun. Truly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, man. Yeah. Thank you. Fucking amazing. Have thank a good you. one. Thank you. Super. Yeah. You too. Bye. Bye. What's up? Alex here. Hope that you have enjoyed the episode. Hope that you have learned a lot. Hope that it has sparked some new curiosity to maybe some new details of the game. So I'm a guy that really values conversation and discussion about our sport. I do think, I truly believe that together we can spark off more ideas than if we all individually think about this sport in our own corners. It's like together we can just get further. <laughs> and I would like this podcast to not only be a discussion between me and my guests, but I would like to also invite you guys into the conversation because 
you guys are all over the world. You have perspectives that I don't have. You have perspectives that my guests don't have and whatnot. And if we discuss all together, we can just get further. So the cool thing is that there is a comment section on, uh, on YouTube for this episode. And if you are watching this on YouTube, you can just go down and find it. If you are listening to this episode on a podcast app, I will have a link to the YouTube version of this episode in the podcast episode description and you can click that and go and find the comment section so if you want go there and uh, write your thoughts write your comments write your questions write your agreements disagreements whatever it might be Kent has not promised but he has hinted that we might be able to do a follow-up episode to this interview and I think that it would be super cool if in that follow-up episode if it happens maybe we could bring up some questions from you guys maybe we could discuss them and you know see where that leads other than that ever since we recorded this interview i have seen that kent has actually created even more content he has produced some of his own videos where he shares even more thoughts about the sport and at least i when i watched those videos i did learn even more stuff about the sport so of course i want to provide you guys with maximum resources so i will link to those videos as well in the podcast episode description so if you want to go and nerd out even more you can go there and watch those videos as well but yeah thanks for listening again i hope that you enjoyed it if uh, if you did uh, please um, consider sharing this episode to a friend a training partner your volleyball club whatever it might be anyone that you think can find value from this also uh, please subscribe to my project all of it uh, the youtube channel the podcast my email list all of that also if you want to help the podcast out you can always go and write a review in your podcast app for this podcast because that just helps you know other people find the podcast and with the growth and, and all of that also another thing that i would want to invite you guys to is to in that same uh, comment section you could go if there's any people around the world that you really wish i would interview in this podcast you know people that have a lot of volleyball smarts in them that you would wish i would sit down and, and try to ask them some smart questions if there's any people out there like that that you would want me to interview why don't you write their names in the comment section and you know i can reach out to them and say hey you know my followers wanted me to interview do you want to be a part of the podcast and of course i can't promise that they will say yes but i know that the more this podcast grows the easier it is for me to get those yeses so why not i mean my motto is sort of if you don't try then you don't know and uh, i'm willing to try and you know i think it's fun if you listeners are an even bigger part of how this podcast evolves so why not okay cool that was it for this time keep on nerding out about beach volleyball keep on listening to these podcasts keep on practicing keep on playing games keep on enjoying the game keep on enjoying life and i'll talk to you soon again in another podcast episode or youtube video or whatever it might be all right have a good one